So you just hit play, and now I'm going to try to convince you why you should listen to a 170-minute long podcast. I know this is way longer than the previous episodes, but when Gus and Sam and I got talking, there was just so much to talk about, and there was so much great content that this is just how long it took. So now, with the format change, episodes are probably going to run this long, but also remember, they're only going to be coming out once per month. So whether you binge it all today or you listen to it over a longer span, um, rather than chopping the show up into a few episodes, I wanted to release it all at once. So please enjoy the new and improved Comedy Night podcast at Right. And just one small notice, too, is that I typically never had spoilers for later seasons of parks and recreation community the office or 30 rock but as we got talking a lot slipped in and rather than throwing in a spoiler alert warning every couple of minutes i'm just gonna leave it as is you've been warned we don't spoil anything significant or major but other than that please enjoy the show before we cut our cords and streaming was years away we could only binge our old DVDs and seasons didn't last one day. But how did we cope? Weekly wait was such a tease. With the two-hour block of shows, we could enjoy with these. On every Thursday, we tune into NBC. Travel to Dunder Mifflin, Greendale, DGS, and Pawnee. They stopped calling it must-see, but it was still a beautiful sight. Now I'm talking comedy night, and it's podcasted right. And welcome to Comedy Night Podcasted Ray. With the brains of George Clooney and the body of Joe Biden, I'm Matt Kale, and I'm joined by my co-host. I'm Gus Sanchez, and I'm an uptight puppet master. I'm Sam, and I'm a bong-ripping Good Time Charlie with a song in my heart. Oh, and the three of us are re-watching Community Parks and Recreation, The Office, and 30 Rock, and discussing the time and place they aired. If you skipped over episode 11, uh, you might be a little bit confused on this format change. Thanks for listening to the first eight episodes. Uh, but I've brought on Sam and Gus to help talking about talk about these shows because I was getting tired of doing it myself. So, uh, yeah, so things are going to be a little bit different going forward, but we're still going to be talking about the shows and the time and place. So we are going way, way back to January 14th, 2010. And we have Community Season 1, Episode 13, Investigative Journalism, Parks and Recreation, Season two, episode 13, The Setup. In uh, a weird twist, there actually was no new office on this night, but instead there were two 30 Rocks back-to-back. Uh, seasons four, episodes nine and ten, Klaus and Greta, and Blacklight Attack. So, big, big theme of the, the episodes uh, is it's a new year uh, on the show. There, it's new season, new semester, new year uh how's how have your new years have been going so far so far so good i mentioned in a in the last episode that um i was possibly transitioning over to human resources um to be a toby not a holly and uh starting monday that's true so 
That's pretty exciting for me, starting off a new position at my company. That's pretty great, Sam. Congrats on that. Yeah, thank you. Uh, my new year started off pretty great, and I moved up to Eureka, which is about 10 hours north of LA, and started a new job working graveyard at a hospital. And, uh, you know, just adjusting, but it's been it's been pretty great. You know, moving up here, it's really quiet. There's a lot of nature out here, tons of like outdoor activities, but it's been so cold lately. It's been hard to get out. Um, but I, I can't complain. What? What's your definition of cold? <laughs> in, in Eureka? Oh, yeah. Um, I guess not as cold as it is, uh, you know, up there. It's yeah, 35 degrees, you know. It's, yeah. it's pretty cold. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cold currently blizzarding uh, inside right now. For yeah, me it, hit, it, was, uh, it was minus 35 here last week. Oof. And like Celsius, Fahrenheit, they, they're, they're both the same at that point. <laughs> yeah. I can't, I can't complain, I guess, you know. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. 2010, I was ass deep in night shift and i hated it <laughs> so like <laughs> how many how many hours have you slept in like the last 24 man well <laughs> uh just a couple hours i would say about five or six you know and because i picked up an extra shift uh someone called off uh i'm supposed to be off today and yesterday and today but someone called off so i had to pick up extra shifts so um i haven't slept a lot so i've been just sleeping a lot since i started this graveyard like sleep all day, basically. Yeah, brutal. I don't know. I'm not. I've never been a huge New Year's Eve person. Have either of you have any sort of crazy nights like Jack Donaghy has? <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, two thousand year old Phoenician wine. But Mm-mm-mm. I did a fun like uh, New Year's Eve drag show before. Nice. Did that all up, but no, nothing, nothing too crazy. No, That's you, you big New Year's Eve guy. Not, not really. You know, New Year's are pretty tame, honestly. The, we don't get really crazy. No, I'm, uh, I'm not huge on it either. Uh, and I was, you know, I'm usually like house parties, probably the biggest thing I ever, I ever do. I was trying to figure out what I actually had done in 2009, which is hard to figure out because so many years of mediocrity. But I clued in that I had gone to a hockey game, local junior hockey here, here in town. So this is December 31st, 2009, and I can't believe I forgot it was this night because we sat in front of the most obnoxious guy. <laughs> it is a guy we've talked about for years. Not, not obnoxious, but just like the dumbest hockey fan I think I've ever heard in my life. Uh, I, when I turned around, I expected to see a mullet. He didn't have one, <laughs> but he, uh, he got into an argument with the other team's mascot. <laughs> Uh, like, like just, bold to take on a mascot well like it's just some dude in a dog costume who's like yeah. cannot talk back to you and he's just <laughs> the, you know the, the mascot coming he's dancing by because it was rivalry night it's like <laughs> he's like he's he's yelling insults at this dog which is fine but he's asking him like questions that he's expecting an answer he's like how oh, you think the team's gonna do tonight and i'm like you can't talk man <laughs> Oh, good Lord. Yeah. And then uh, at the end of the game, we, I'm not part of the team. The team I was cheering for uh, was ahead by one goal, which every single hockey game, you pull the goalie. And this guy, he's just like, it's like, oh yeah, they're, they're going to pull the goalie at any minute now. That's what I do. If I was coaching, I'd pull the goalie and get that extra attacker. I was like, you didn't invent the fucking strategy. <laughs> Everybody oh, does it. brother. <laughs> so, oh yeah. Listeners at home, you can't see Gus's camera, but he's just 
what the fuck are these people talking about? <laughs> I don't understand the reference, you know. I'm a huge hockey fan. It's all right. That was my New Year's Eve story. I had to get that one out. Maybe that'll get cut in the edit. (laughs) (laughs) I think we've, I've, I've gone on long enough. Uh, So let's then now move on to everyone's favorite segments. This is what everybody. And by favorite segment, I mean the segment that we are never going to do again after tonight. <laughs> I uh, I re-recorded the song because I wanted, I did it a month ago, because uh, I just wanted a cleaner sound. It's still going. I realized this whole section, I looked at kind of the rest of the schedule throughout tw- 2010. It was going to get repetitive. Um, I mostly use this section to just make fun of Jay Leno. And I think I'm going to get most <laughs> of that out in the next two weeks. Um, but yeah, so I typically use this section to talk about the other, the other stuff that's on Thursday nights. Thursdays had been a super important night in television for many, many years. Basically NBC invented must-see television. And then now NBC was losing every single night. Uh, we had Grey's Anatomy, uh, private practice, um, the mentalist, which is still a huge show or was a huge show CSI. Bones, Fringe, there was tons of it. Like everything else was beating everything that was on NBC. And then even Cable had a whole bunch of stuff going on too. Uh, Real Housewives, Vampire Diaries, Supernatural. Uh, Jersey Shore started around this time. <laughs> yeah. Remember Jersey Shore? <laughs> yeah. Trying to forget. <laughs> it was such a hit back in the day. There was yeah. so much drama in that show too. That's what brought me in. <laughs> I think... I think that's it with reality TV, right? Like plenty of these concepts are like, oh man, that is interesting. Even if it's just hate watching, but then mm. after a while it's like, oh, there's, this is just one note over and yeah. over and over again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And after a while it's like, are you really hate watching it? Or do you now love it? <laughs> you love to watch the disasters happening. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Kind of another uh, notable cable show at the time, Archer. Um Mm-hmm. So Archer actually premiered the same night community did back in September. And then it, I don't know, they just ran the pilot in September. And then, so now at this point they were airing new episodes. I've seen you both claim to love Archer. Mm, <laughs> love Archer. Like, yeah. Same I here. like anything that involves H. John Benjamin, like um, Bob's Burgers, of course. Yep. Um, and Chris Parnell, who's also in 30 Rock. Yeah. And the wonderful Jessica Walters, R.I.P. The late mm-hmm. great. The late great. I love a I love a mean rich woman who doesn't like her kids. Yes, it's kind of an archetype that I really like. She plays out so well in the Arrested Development. Yes. Yep. yep. Exactly. How much can and- one even cost? Ten dollars. <laughs> Here's some money. Go see a Star Wars. I- <laughs> Are you? Especially now with the series that are on Disney Plus, I just feel like I'm gonna go watch a Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> um, as far as all those other shows you mentioned, I I kind of never really got into many of like the hit network shows, mm. um, like CSI, The Mentalist, and especially Grey's Anatomy, because I 
like so many people around me are obsessed with it and love it. And they're the same people who love Grey's Anatomy, but can't understand why I love Star Wars mm. when they are both equally as unrealistic. Yeah. Like lightsabers and that many people at the same hospital dying are yep. equally as realistic. Yes. yes. I'm just going to say it. Yeah. So. I, everyone at that hospital dies. There's yeah. look into this. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a burial ground underneath the hospital or something? Yeah. I don't, oh man. All your, all your friends and coworkers who are the same people are being. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's. Like never season, get into that show season like 20 or something now it's yeah More? something like that uh they're i don't know it's, it's been a lot i don't know if it's ending mm-hmm. i thought it was going to end last year but there's still new mm-hmm. ones going on so i don't know yeah it's still going my girlfriend watches it yeah you know every new episode it's crazy it's kind of like general hospital it just keeps going yeah yeah that's i guess as long as um ellen pompeo or whatever her name yeah. is. as mm-hmm. long as she's uh because I think the rest of the cast is all gone. Yeah, because mm-hmm. same my uh, my wife watches it too. So between Grey's Anatomy and, and Bones, I've uh, I've caught my fair share. Bones was I like Bones a lot more. I mean, I didn't sit down and watch every episode, but it was mm-hmm. uh, I enjoyed it much more. Um, and kind of funny too. Like CSI was the the powerhouse at the time, and uh, it's funny we're talking about Jersey Shore. CSI is the exact same way for me. Like that, you know, it started when I was. I was in high school and it was like, man, you got to watch this show CSI. It's so gory. And they're like investigating. And it was just like, it seemed like such a cool idea. And then they did it for 20 years, three different seasons here. <laughs> like it was just yeah. like, Oh, Oh, it's all mm-hmm. just over and over and over. Again. Yeah. How do they keep getting inspired to make more storylines? Yeah. I, I don't think there was much. Of one. Yeah. I think that was it. Right. And maybe that's the difference, right? Like all these shows were, hot and popular at the time and i think maybe i don't know and you don't hear them talk or i don't know maybe people do love them just as much nowadays i don't think so uh but compared to you know the four shows we're talking about like watch much much less mm-hmm. but now fan base is much more rabid mm-hmm. you know people devoting time to making stupid podcasts about them so. <laughs> so. The, the shows are referenced a lot anytime i'm on reddit just random comments. It doesn't even have to be about the show. There's just always comment, little one-liners from the shows. Yep. It's just, that's oh. how you know the shows are very popular. Yeah. Oh, oh a little comment. <laughs> 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 yeah. No, it's uh, I wasn't. What's on something today? Like the top comment was the community quote, and I was like, because that's the one that was in my head too. <laughs> I, I think that's just I don't know maybe we're all just drawn to these shows because of these uh these because <laughs> of these things I don't know I can't explain it but uh yeah so I mean that's 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 what everyone was watching instead but we are watching uh these four shows and then uh at least through the fall there was this Jay Leno show that was airing things things didn't end well for the Jay Leno <laughs> show um <laughs> It uh, it got replaced in March by the Marriage Ref. <laughs> Either of you remember that show? Not no. at all. It uh, it Jerry Seinfeld. It, I think he was the producer on it. It was hosted by uh, Tom Papa, um, stand-up comedian. But it would like 
they would bring on it was this panel show that have three celebrities and then they bring on like a real life couple and then like have these celebrities give them marriage advice <laughs> oh my god celebrities giving them advice okay yeah yeah <laughs> i and nbc is just so bad <laughs> television it's almost as bad as um what's the reality show they had in 30 rock they had a uh, gold case yeah which is had, oh, yeah. uh yeah. bitch oh, bitch island bitch hunter bitch hunter right will ferrell was bitch hunter i mean not it's not far off <laughs> well yeah synonyms like, <laughs> uh what was the what was the briefcase show called gold case gold case because that was because dealer no deal had become popular this would probably be like because that's like a season one season two episode so mm. the dealer no deal was like people were super into that i don't <laughs> i was i remember being i was like man first time you watch it it's like the show's crazy and then after yeah. about like it's like oh the banker's just kind of a dick and yeah that one holding briefcase 22 is eventually going to bring down the <laughs> british barnarchy but <laughs> <laughs> I think that's enough of what we watched and said. Now, for everyone's real favorite segment, this is the Comedy Night Podcast at Right Olds. If it's new, we call it news, but it's old, so we call it olds. Is that, is that really, really loud? A little bit. Any bit. Not that bad. Uh, all right. Well, I didn't change that one because I like that song. No, um. No. Here's another first for Comedy Night Podcasted, right? It's my first two-parter old segment. And the reason why I'm doing this in two parts is uh, a lot of the story really happened over this week and next week, back in 2010. And there's just so much background content. And it's all about why Conan O'Brien quit his job as the Tonight Show host, which was his childhood dream only seven months after he started. It's... It was just this major story that happened in entertainment news at the time. It was just all over the place. It just shows just how bad NBC was at doing television in general. So basically today, kind of go through a bit of the background of The Tonight Show and uh, and how we got to where we got to. Um, so The Tonight Show had been around since 1954. It had a few hosts before Johnny Carson started in October 1962. Uh, and it really set the standard for this format of late night talk show that we know today. Do either of you remember Johnny Carson or The Tonight Show? Before my time, but I like definitely have seen clips and and you know know who he is. Mm-hmm. Same, just from clips, and yeah. I mean, other hosts rave about him, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is kind of where he had just such an influence on kind of all these shows that we're watching now and just there was such a reverence from them and i i read a lot of mad magazine as a kid too so i kind of yep there was a lot of that <laughs> so, but i mean we're all roughly the same age like carson's way before our time oh, yeah. uh, one of the things that really helped make him popular and i think why he has such an impact on comedy was what he did for stand-up comedians uh comedians would go on the Tonight Show, they do a five minute set and then he would invite over the people he really liked. It was either nod or a wave or he did something. And uh, if you got over onto Carson's couch for an interview after your set, that was like the gold standard of comedy. And that like hmm. uh, Jim Carrey, Jerry Seinfeld, Roseanne Barr, Drew Carey, 
plenty of other stand-ups who weren't involved in any of these shows uh, got their start by being invited over to Carson's couch. So like, oh. uh, man, he was like, he was a kingmaker, basically. Like, I think this is just why it became such a big deal and why so many people had so much respect for him. Another link to these series, specifically 30 Rock, is that up until 1972, uh, The Tonight Show was filmed in Rockefeller Center, Rockefeller Plaza, sorry, in Studio 6B. So hmm. 30 Rock takes or TGS takes place in 6H, which I'm pretty sure is fictional. So, hmm. uh, yeah, so the same floor that uh, the Carson was on. So he was a uh, like big impact. One person in particular <laughs> that we know loved Carson. The PLO, the IRA, and the hot dog stand behind the warehouse. <sighs> Name three businesses that have better health care plans than Dunder Mifflin. <laughs> That's a bit based off Karnak the Magnificent. Uh, maybe, maybe a little bit insensitive these days, but Carson played a, a fortune teller. So because he was so well-loved and so revered, there was a lot of a lot of kids grew up watching the Tonight Show and wanted to be just like them, uh, and you know do that same thing when they were adults. So another random question I haven't prepped you on: Was there any sort of like pop culture thing when you were a kid that you're like, man, I want to grow up and be just like that? Well, mm-hmm. when I saw Space Jam, I wanted to be an NBA basketball player, <laughs> and that didn't work out. Because I'm a woman and I'm five feet tall. <laughs> I mean, Muggsy Bogues was. The only reason I know who Muggsy Bogues is is because of Space Jam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. That was uh, my only dream. I mean, you know, Jim, talking about Jim Carrey, he was in those Ace Ventura shows, or, uh, the movies. I was like, yeah, I want to do what he does, you know, just go after, go after animals and, you know. When did you learn that pet detective isn't a real thing? <laughs> Took me a bit, but I was like, God, I would love to be a pet detective. It looks so amazing. Had we been 30 years older, maybe we'd grow up idolizing Cursed. There were two guys who absolutely wanted that job. And they were in the right place at the right time. And we're taking steps to get there. So the first was David Letterman. He was kind of, he was just a TV personality, basically. And Carson ultimately shortened the Tonight Show from 90 minutes to 60 minutes in the early 80s. And the only thing that Carson could get to stick to air afterwards was a show that he started called Late Night with David Letterman. Uh, so it aired at 1230 right after the Tonight Show produced by Carson. Uh, it was recorded in 30 Rocks Studio 6A. And uh, by all accounts, this was Carson setting up David Letterman to have his successor, someone to carry on the Tonight Show banner after he was gone. The other guy in the who wanted the job was uh, Mr. Jay Leno by the mid 80s. Carson was, he was actually only hosting three nights a week. He'd do a clip show another night, and then he had a guest host. He had a rotating kind of cast of guest hosts, and ultimately he settled on just Jay Leno. Don't know if it was necessarily his decision or not, but Leno was hosting The Tonight Show once per week, uh, and they got really good ratings uh, when Leno hosted. So he was a, he was a popular stand-up comedian at the time, and, and 
he was pretty well respected too. So um, two guys battling it out. And then Carson publicly announced he was retiring before he told NBC. He went up in front of the press and like, this is going to be my last season. It was his 30th year. And uh, NBC didn't have any sort of plan in place, which is kind of weird to think of. It was like, do you need a succession plan for a late night talk show? Mm. Yes, apparently. <laughs> it's how the rest of this is going to go. I mean, this became such a story that uh, there's a New York Times media reporter, Bill Carter, wrote an entire book about this called The Late Shift. Uh, and HBO later turned it into a movie, which I've watched several times. It's very entertaining. Uh, John Michael Higgins, he's in a lot of stuff. He plays Professor Whitman on Community. Uh, he plays David Letterman, and like he is a spot-on David Letterman. Like As well as I know John Michael Higgins, he just disappeared into that role. And Kathy Bates, who's about to join the cast of The Office, uh, played Leno's agent. It's a great, salacious movie. I highly recommend watching it mm-hmm. if you have HBO. Um, I, I took out the book from the library and I'm about nine pages into it. So. <laughs> Everything else is like Wikipedia summary. <laughs> uh, but basically, Carson retiring, he didn't have a say in who was going to replace him, even though he obviously preferred Letterman. Um, and they named Leno as the replacement. Hmm. Uh, he was put on a very short leash. Like they were, the network was hounding him constantly, which is so weird because there was no competition <laughs> in late night television. Like there would be later on. It was Letterman kept hosting the late, uh, late night, uh, right after the tonight show. And uh, they basically just kind of dangled this carrot to keep Letterman around. Just like, Hey, Leno fucks up you're in the job and then leno constantly had that pressure of of letterman so which is kind of a shame because the two of them were friends before this all started and uh it, it didn't go well after yeah. that are they still friends now oh god no <laughs> <laughs> they ended up doing a, a super bowl spot uh in 2010 together kind of making making light of of everything that went on um Wow. But yeah, there was a while there in the mid nineties that uh, they, they certainly did not get along. Um, it ultimately boiled down to two guys just really, really wanted to respect the tonight show and carry on its legacy. So it's only mm-hmm. really spot for one person. Yeah. Um, so one thing that happened at one point was that, uh, and this is you know, maybe one of those contentious points that who knows how true it is. Um, but they actually considered swapping Letterman and Leno and putting Letterman on first and then Leno and Leno pitched a fit saying the Tonight Show wasn't going to air at 1230. Uh, Letterman turned down a lot of offers for quite a few years because um, he kept hoping for the Tonight Show, but eventually realized it wasn't going to happen and signed a deal with CBS. Um, CBS threw a ton of money at him and he went head to head with uh, the Tonight Show and the late show with David Letterman premiered in 1993. So starting out, Letterman was winning the rating wars now the book the movie the wikipedia article i read <laughs> they all point to one turning point uh in this whole saga and that was when hugh grant appeared on the tonight show in 1995 now being an avid reader of mad magazine i knew hugh grant had done something wrong mm-hmm. caught with the prostitute um yeah. is <laughs> i only learned this in researching uh, he wasn't just like picked up the prostitute and was driving somewhere. They were in the act. <laughs> oh. And then he still decided to go on the Tonight Show because he already had booked the appearance and was there to do some PR 
management and was there to tackle the issue, pun intended, head on. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and this is this is this is how Leno started off the interview. Let me start with question number one. <laughs> what the hell were you thinking? <laughs> How long after that incident did he did that take place? The interview. Uh, this was about I think it was about a week and a half, two weeks. Oh wow! Wow. Yeah, yeah. So fresh on everybody's mind. Mm. Yeah, and this was uh, I think nine months had just come out. Um, I, you know I'm not up to date on my '90s Hugh Grant movies, but he was becoming he was a very rising star in like romantic comedy. So like, uh, he was a pretty big star at the time, and and this was pretty damaging. But he had his opportunity to reflect on that he had done a bad thing <laughs> yeah okay and uh it it saved his career quite honestly the fact that hugh grant still makes movies it's credited as uh the moment leno overtook letterman now i kind of always took that for fact but i actually went and wanted to look up some uh some viewership numbers and uh shout out to the wall street journal because they did this huge article on like the ratings from carson retiring up to 2015 when the article was published I don't think it was really that viewers switched over to Leno because Letterman started out with 8 million and kind of every year he just lost about a million viewers and then settled around 4 million, which is where he always stayed. Leno was just always at 6 million and always just kind of kept 6 million. So I think it was, you know, they cite this as kind of the turning point, but I think it was just happening anyway, just changes in viewership and people got less excited. So I don't think, you know, him asking Hugh Grant about prostitutes was really like, (laughs) <laughs> shuffled all the view shuffled all the viewers <laughs> over but um from that point on uh yeah leno 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 won the ratings and uh kind of they they would reflect on it afterwards leno said you know i got the ratings letterman got the critics you know they both kind of were winners in their own mind but i'll take this as a point to talk about how important ratings are uh because ratings are money that's advertising dollars and um a big part of that too is affiliate stations. So uh, the affiliate stations are kind of all your local net stations. You know, it might be the NBC or the CBS or the whatever station, but unless they're owned and operated by the network, they're privately owned and they pay affiliate fees to get the programming. You pay NBC money, you get to show NBC shows or advertisers buy time. That's how you make your money. So If you get good content from the network, you can pay more, you can get more ad dollars. So these affiliates Mm -hmm. have a lot of power because if they decide to not air your show, the network doesn't make money. Mm -hmm. Um, And even though there's, and there's agreements there that they like that you're affiliated with that network, but you don't have to. And uh, did either of you watch the 30 rock reunion special in 2020? No, I can't believe I didn't. I didn't hear about it. Neither did I. And you probably didn't because over half the NBC affiliate stations refused to air it because the whole thing is actually an advertisement for Peacock. And Peacock, this whole TV show was like, hey, come watch Peacock. And the affiliates were like, no, fuck you. People aren't going to watch my station anymore. Most of them didn't air it. So, um, you know, this was after Parks and Rec had done their, um, Mm -hmm. their reunion special. And that was all a fundraiser for something pandemic related can't yeah. remember which which charity in specific um community obviously they didn't do it on nbc they did it on youtube they did their table read together 
but yeah there's a there's a special out there uh apparently it's on peacock i i have not seen it i have no idea what it's about we can't even get peacock in canada uh yeah it's uh it's out there so affiliates have so much power hmm. and um yeah prime time prime time goes from eight o'clock to 10 or 11 o'clock uh eastern time and then Local news gets to air their local news for half an hour, and then the Tonight Show would come on. So if you had a really good primetime schedule, and then the Tonight Show on afterwards, a lot of people would just watch your evening news, buku dollars. So those affiliate stations and their news wanted more time to air ads. So actually, they pushed everything out five minutes. So they had enough power to say, Carson, you're only going on at 11.35. We want five more minutes of commercials. Um, all these late night shows now, they all start five minutes later, just so local affiliate stations can get in five more minutes of commercials. Wow. So, uh, yeah, so this this pushed the night show back to 1135 and it pushed late night to 1235 because five minutes never heard anyone. And then I'm going to use that as my segue to talk about late night, capital L, capital N. These shows are so damn hard to keep track of. They all have the same goddamn name. <laughs> I know. When Letterman left Late Night, capital letters, in 93, uh, NBC didn't want the time slot and, you know, the it was getting good ratings before to go to waste. So they gave the hosting gig to a relatively unknown comedian named Conan O'Brien. Who is Conan O'Brien and why is she so sad? <laughs> yes, Liz Lemon's ex-boyfriend. <laughs> yeah. Conan O'Brien. Conan was mostly known as a writer. Can't remember which order. I think he worked for SNL, went to The Simpsons. Uh, he wrote uh, New Kid on the Block, Marge versus the Monorail, Harmel Goes oh. to College. Uh, to the best of my knowledge, he wrote the little uh, segments in the Trios of Horror where Bart's showing all the paintings in the Haunted Museum. Um, so, yeah, he was a writer on The Simpsons for a few years. Wrote some, I mean, Marge versus the Monorail is going to be yeah. one of the best ones. So he was just kind of this nerdy, nerdy guy with a guitar that they gave a doc show to. And uh, exactly like Letterman before him, Conan was hoping that this would propel him into that much sought after Tonight Show job because he also grew up idolizing Johnny Carson. Uh, A fun aside here. uh, Conan is a pretty smart guy. He went to Harvard, but he graduated in the mid 80s. And while he was there, he was editor of the humor magazine, the Harvard Lampoon and uh, decided one time to play a college prank. And he stole the entire print run of the school's real newspaper, the Harvard Crimson. And this led the Crimson's editor to having Conan arrested. Uh, the reason this story is relevant is because the editor of the Crimson was a guy by the name of Jeff Zucker. Now, Jeff Zucker uh, became very well known after graduating because uh, first he became a producer for the Today Show, and then in 2000 was promoted to the president of NBC Entertainment. And then by 2006, became president and CEO of NBC Universal. So I don't know if he's the Jack Donaghy necessarily, because Jack was a GE executive. I think maybe he's kind of like Devin Banks, Karen, like that <laughs> level of like, but he was in charge of the network. So Conan and Jeff Zucker had beef going back <laughs> to the 80s. Jeez. And uh, as the story goes on, I don't think there's really real uh, villains or heroes in the story. It's just a bunch of guys kind of wanting to do what they want to do. But it, Jeff Zucker is the fucking villain in this story. <laughs> uh, 
his in his early on in his tenure, uh, he was praised for bringing on shows like Fear Factor and The Apprentice. So I feel like he's to blame for the enduring popularity of Joe hmm. Rogan and Donald Trump. Also, something a little bit relevant to a later episode tonight. He invented supersized episodes. So those are when an episode goes for 40 minutes instead of 30. So you can sell six more minutes of commercials. Oh, my God. <laughs> Jesus Christ. But somehow he was still given more opportunity, even though NBC was the number one network when he started. And by 2010, it was the last place network. Ran it into the ground. Mm-mm. But into the 2000s, The Tonight Show and Late Night were doing really well. Um, Conan was ahead of everything else on every other network in his late night 1230 spot. So at this point, Leno's still getting the six million he was before uh, Hugh Grant got a blowjob from a prostitute. <laughs> uh, Letterman was getting around four million. Conan was getting like two and a half million. So like he was doing pretty well. ABC tried really hard to get Conan. Conan said, no. I don't want the money. I want the tonight show. And that's basically how he spent the rest of his career. So Conan actually, when he turned down ABC, he renegotiated his contract. He put in something called a Prince of Wales contract. (laughs) Prince of Wales is being Prince Charles, AKA the next in line to the British throne. Uh, (laughs) Clever. Conan put in, in his, late night contract that if anything should happen to Jay Leno, I will become the host of the tonight show, you know, in case he dies, give me the show. <laughs> pretty much. would look pretty suspicious if he did die. When Leno's contract came up for renewal. Uh, so now Jeff suckers pissed. Cause he had to give Conan a whole bunch of money to stay. And he was going to have to give Leno a whole bunch of money to stay too. So when he Leno renewed in 2004, Zuckers gave him five more years and said, five years, 2009, you're off the Tonight Show. Um, and Conan O'Brien's going to take over because enough of this pain to people. And ideally, this was going to fix all the mistakes that they made back in 91 when they didn't have anyone ready for Carson and, you know, smooth sailing. Um, <laughs> Zucker would later joke that this was when Conan finally apologized for having him arrested <laughs> was when he I hired him to become the host of The Tonight Show. <laughs> um, major difference here is that Carson retired himself. He did like nothing after retirement. He did that episode of The Simpsons. He appeared on Letterman once, never Leno. Uh, Leno did not enjoy being put out to pasture <laughs> as, as much. So now all my sources are now from a different Wikipedia article on a different book written by the same guy. Uh, called uh, The War for Late Night because it got so crazy he had to write a second book. Basically, Leno was just pissed because he was number one in ratings and he was being forced to retire. And, you know, I, I don't disagree with him. Like, he was the top. He was beating everyone. Like, why be forced into retirement? And uh, there was only some tepid confidence that Conan would do well. He was starting to even slip in the ratings every now and then against Craig Ferguson on the Late Late Show on CBS. Um, there was there was a lot of discussion. Would Conan's 1230 humor translate to the 1130 audience like that fucking matters at all? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As soon as the clock strikes 1230. Some things are just not funny anymore. It was it was such a huge thing in the, the time slot you were in, you know, the crowd that watched the Tonight Show at 1130 and who watched at 1230. Some rumors started to abound that NBC was just going to buy Conan out. So basically, as as 2009 is rolling on, 
Uh, everyone's pissed off. The network's trying to interfere with Conan's show, so he's getting pissed. Lano's pissed about losing his job. The network's pissed off that the two guys are paying a lot of money to are pissed off. NBC started just throwing everything at Leno, saying anything to keep get him to stay. But they offered him everything except keeping the Tonight Show. It's uh, more drama than Jersey Shore. This is exactly. I'm here for it, though. <laughs> uh, so what Leno eventually got, and it seemed like a good idea at the time, like everything about this and everything that Jay Zucker or Jeff Zucker puts his hands on, was a new show called The Jay Leno Show, which would be added to the 2009 fall lineup. One hour every night, 10 p.m. It was going to be something similar to a late night talk show, but completely different somehow. Uh, it's kind of unclear what their goal was, how this was going to be anything different than the Tonight Show. But NBC was convinced that people were going to watch this. It's it's hard for hard to fault them for thinking this may have worked. Variety shows used to be popular. Uh, if you look over in England, panel shows are hugely popular and those have mm-hmm. never caught on here. Um, and who would have thought that reality TV, who would have thought Jersey Shore, who would have thought singing competitions, American mm-hmm. Idol, like American mm-hmm. Idol was the biggest thing on television. At some point, eventually uh, uh, they were airing it on Thursday night uh, later this season against these shows and American Idol dominated. So like probably wasn't completely out of the realm of possibility that Maybe people wouldn't want to watch the show at 10 o'clock, but they didn't. And probably part of the problem was that when Jay Leno started, he was like, I'm just going to keep doing what I was doing and I don't care. at all." That wasn't high pitched enough. I can't do a Jay Leno impression. <laughs> uh, so 2009 rolls around Conan hands late night over to Jimmy Fallon. Uh, Leno retires uh, and he goes out on top with Letterman having never touched his ratings. Conan takes over the tonight show in June. Uh, he gets some strong ratings at first. He's pulling in that young male demographic that the advertisers all want. And NBC is desperate to get. But just seven episodes in and Letterman has already started to score higher ratings. Uh, by the end of the summer, the gap in viewers is completely gone. Everything that had been there that Leno had built up. And they're basically doing the same, same ratings. Something really important here, though, is Conan and Letterman are going head to head, and there is absolutely no animosity between these two. Conan took over late night from Letterman. Letterman always saw Conan as something of like a protege. Like it was just, you know, all hugs and kisses. These guys like got along. They did not want to get drugged down in any sort of fight over the time slot. People were starting to think maybe these two guys are too similar, and it's just splitting the market. Uh, Letterman just kept on keeping on, and Conan was just shedding viewers each week. The real turning point gets accredited very similar to the Hugh Grant situation. But uh, on October 1st, 2009, on The Late Show, Dave sits down at his desk and starts telling this eight-minute long story. Uh, It's it's this rather humorous story. He's going on about how he found out that someone has found this creepy stuff. And the whole time he's just telling the story, he's just every line's a joke and it's going along and he's just got the audience eating out of the palm of his hand just refers to the creepy stuff. And he's like, yeah, it's all true. And it's, I did, you know, this guy's got stuff on me. And he tells a story about how someone's trying to blackmail him for $2 million. And it ultimately ended up with the arrest of the blackmailer. He released a story on that day because, or sorry, the blackmailer had gone to the grand jury that day and was indicted. So Dave tells this super long story. And then he gets finally to the juicy part we've all been waiting for. Creepy stuff was 
that I have uh, had sex with women who work for me on this show. Now, my response to that is, yes, I have. <laughs> I have had sex with women who work on this show. To a round of applause, which... Yeah, well, that's a bigger laugh than uh, that should have got. Yeah. The interesting thing here is like it just it saved face for Letterman, much in the way that Hugh Grant owning up to doing what he did, which in today's context, what Letterman did, yeah, that's not you're not you don't do that. <laughs> and he took over the ratings at that point. Conan could not touch him after that. Somehow just admitting to sexual misconduct on late night talk shows saves your career. And meanwhile, the blackmailer, Joe Halderman, uh, news producer for CBS, he spent four months in Rikers Island for grand larceny. (laughs) Wow. Letterman, meanwhile, saved $2 million and went on to destroy The Tonight Show. (laughs) I think I'm going to cut it off there, but I thought it'd be not fun to talk about it. But I think (laughs) as we get into, uh, into Black Light Attack a little bit later on, uh, some of Jack's behavior that exactly what goes on. It's kind of the attitude that was going on here uh, nope. at, at late at the late show. And I've gone and I looked this up and the articles about like what Dave did at the time. Again, this story happens in 2022. You are canceled. Your fucking career is over. Mm-hmm. 2009. Most of the articles are Dave Letterman had sex. So what? And there's like, I found maybe two or three that was just like, this is wrong. <laughs> this isn't like people specifically calling her an abuse of power. So mm-hmm. things have changed for the better. Yep. Mm-hmm. But somehow sexual impropriety <laughs> keeps really changed the course of, of late night television. I wish I had a better segue <laughs> to end that segment, but uh, that's where I'm going to cut it off. We're going to have again, just like a 30 rock later tonight, a to be continued because uh, we'll go into next week uh, what happened with Conan, what happened with the Jay Leno show, and what happened in January 2010. Because uh, if you thought that was a bunch of drama with middle-aged men, well, you're going to have to tune in the next episode. <laughs> but that, that has been the olds. I think it's time to talk actually about these shows, which is why we're doing a podcast. So, with that, let's move into community. And I'm going slow because I'm trying to find the song. All right, community investigative journalism. It was directed by Joe Russo, who I mentioned many times on this podcast before. This was the sixth of 21 episodes he directed, uh, his first episode back since Debate 109. It was written by John Pollock. It was his third of three episodes. Uh, He also wrote the last one uh, mentioned on the podcast, Introduction to Statistics. It was also co-written by Tim Hobart. Uh, his fourth of five, he wrote three episodes of John Pollock, and he would end up writing another episode solo after this. So this got uh, Nielsen ratings of 3.3, which meant um, 3.3% of 
television watching Americans watched this show when it came out at a share of five, which means that 5% of people watching television at the time were watching community. And that all boils down to 5.4 million viewers, uh, which is a pretty average assessment of how community was doing at this time. So for the episode, I'm going to throw it over to Sam to tell us what investigative journalism was all about. All right. Well, it's a new year and Jeff acknowledges he was too uptight last semester and now he's going to be much more laid back. While Abed relishes becoming the radar to Jeff's Hawkeye, the new attitude is quickly put to the test by both Buddy, a classmate from Spanish who wants to join the study group, and the dean appointing Jeff to be the editor of the school newspaper. Reporter Annie discovers that the dean profiled Black students via mass text and thinks the publishing the story will give her the chance to transfer to a better school at the end of the year, even though the dean could get fired. Meanwhile, Buddy becomes such a nuisance that Jeff convinces the group to unanimously vote him out without having to take any of the blame himself. Buddy's refusal to leave breaks Jeff's relaxed attitude, forcing Jeff to drag Buddy kicking and screaming from the study group while forbidding Annie to run the story about the Dean. Annie agrees, seeing how upset Jeff has become. In turn, Jeff realizes that Buddy just wants a little bit of the friendship that they all share, and he invites Buddy back. Buddy ultimately skips out, however, when the real cool study group lets Buddy join them instead. Let's talk about Buddy. (laughs) Oh, Buddy. Jack, Jack Black. uh, As you know, I'm obsessed with people who have been on multiple Comedy Night Done Right series, so we have seen Jack Black before on Office's Stress Relief playing himself as a character in a movie they're illegally downloading. Sam! Now, uh, this is, I I think this is a pretty huge get for Community uh, this early on to get, like, Jack Black, he was, I mean, he's a box office star at this point. Mm -hmm. Like, how did did you guys feel about uh, Jack Black in this episode? I like Jack Black because he he never strays too far from playing Jack Black. Mm-hmm. Like it's just a different nuanced version of Jack Black. And Buddy <laughs> was no exception to that. Yeah, it, it, it's not a role at all. Uh, yeah. I, I shot it as like, have I ever seen Jack Black in a movie where he didn't play that? Jumanji a little bit. I did watch the new Jumanji and like he's playing himself but if he was like a teenage girl because that's kind of the the joke is that he's a teenage girl trapped in jack bat's body um and i thought that was funny but it wasn't like too far from just jack black no he's wrong play- with that yeah yeah he plays himself pretty well i mean the only movie i can think of shallow Hal. do you remember mm. watching that yeah yeah that's, that's <laughs> it's a telling that's- version of that's a movie that would not do well in 2022. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty bad. Not at all, though. Um, if he's not playing Jack Black, I would say it's a terrible movie. <laughs> <laughs> and, and let's not forget, you know, Tenacious D in The Pick of Destiny, he plays, well, JB, I guess, not Jack yeah. Black. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought it was great. I loved how they uh, 
how they incorporated him like into he's like i've been here the whole time and he's like no you haven't and they start doing the flashbacks and like how he's hiding <laughs> it yep uh the, yeah i sleep a lot in class that one might have been a dream <laughs> Oh, um, a good line from him is uh uh i i kind of meld into the background it's just my body type <laughs> oh man um and then just just the button on the end too so like they got jack black for the entire episode which is great and then uh owen wilson's walking in with starborns and i only know this because i googled it i'm like who the hell's the third person in the cool study group uh playboy play me <laughs> ah. oh interesting yeah. Gotcha. yeah that's that's why i didn't recognize her um <laughs> but just just the visual joke of having owen wilson there it's just <laughs> i should have paid attention more i don't even know is he even in any like is he on screen at the same time as anybody in the study group or is that just like they brought in you know like starburns and just like you're gonna film one scene with owen wilson and then jack black's gonna run off <laughs> like yeah, because I, I don't in... think it, no, is ahead. he in like is he in the part at the end when Abed and Troy try to join the study group? I think that scene is just Starburns. It's just yeah, it's just yeah, uh, yeah, just Starburns. Yeah, he's not on anything else with the other characters. I think yeah. he runs off with Jack Black, so they're in it together at the end there. But that's pretty much it. Yeah, it, like how, how did Starburns get in the cool study group? <laughs> My name's Alex. <laughs> Maybe they call him Alex. Maybe that's why. Yeah. Actually, I, don't know. I, I, I guess they're probably part of the joke too. Is that Starburns is actually a student in the Spanish class that we have been seeing the entire time. Also, speaking of Spanish class, Chang <laughs> fakes his own death. Fakes what? his own death. Uh, comes back and. Produces and records a rap about faking his own death. A lot of commitment there. Respect. Crashed his moped into the side of an RV. You know, we'll get into it a bit more parks and recreation, but I feel like there's something about this episode. Like, I'd love to see an extended cut of this because I feel like there had to be more with like the morning Chang's death. Like, it's just like they show up in class and he's dead. Mm. And then he's like immediately not dead. And then, you know, there's not a whole lot like, that plot, there's nothing else. They don't go to Spanish class again. I think it's just a conduit to kind of show, oh yeah, no, Buddy is in Spanish class. Um, I, it's, and I, I found a lot of the the journalism, or not the journalism, but like the newspaper part also seemed a little bit muted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I actually wrote a note. I'm like, is there too much Buddy? <laughs> and I, Some I, might say too much Buddy. And I, I kind of thought about it the last time I was watching it was because I watched this episode so many times, <laughs> is that there's a lot of times like he'd start talking and he's he's being funny, but I just like I wasn't taking notes because it was just like, you know, he sings his sorry song. He he's doing his bit. He's he uh, he's sexualizing Annie. Mm-hmm. Young, we try not to sexualize her. <laughs> 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. So he's just I feel like there's a there's a episode. There's a version of that episode that has a much less buddy and like just expands more kind of on on everything else going on a bit more in the Chang. There's a couple good. good Dean moments in this episode. There's um Tell when me, Dean, he... when I refer to you in my article, would you prefer imbecile or incompetent? I prefer incompetent. <laughs> There's when Annie calls the number that the text came from 
and he picks it up, but he's in his office. He like just got a package and it's a Dalmatian costume. This is like going deeper into the lore of Dean's the oh. Dean's sexual deviancy revolving Dalmatians. <laughs> and then there's like a throwaway line that I only caught like the probably second or third time I watched it. Um, he says, I'm the least racist man in the world. My best friend when I was six years old was a black man. <laughs> Which like at first you think is just like the classic line that people always like to throw it like, I'm not racist. I have a black friend. But then he says a black man. <laughs> Which like leads me to believe that six-year-old Dean was hanging out with an adult man yeah well what was that childhood (laughs) he's a very strange man i i like the tracking of the dalmatian fetish because it was Mm. uh i should have wrote down what episode it was it wasn't too many episodes ago where he's sitting in his office and it's uh oh this better not awaken something in me (laughs) how we just said using uh no no i have a black friend now i'm gonna ask my my friend that speaks spanish terrible segue (laughs) is how obvious is it that Chang doesn't know Spanish at all and is teaching a terrible class? Like as, as someone who can speak it fluently, is it just, is it painfully obvious? It's like, how'd they even hire this guy? Uh, I mean, it's pretty obvious, but he does it so well that if you don't speak Spanish, he gets yeah, fired. It's passable. You know, he's so confident in the way he teaches it. I was like, oh, you just got to give it to the guy, you know? And it plays into, like, how terrible this college is. <laughs> yes. It's just like, this guy is not a Spanish teacher. How is he teaching these students Spanish? <laughs> oh, man. Kind of flipping over to the uh, the other storyline about the investigative journalism piece and, and Jeff becoming uh, editor. And also his, his, his descent into Hawkeye. My Hawkeye tangent. Spent 30 minutes, I know it wasn't timing, 30 minutes earlier talking about Johnny Carson. I feel like MASH is in the exact same realm as uh, as MASH. Uh, when Jeff makes the comment about like, uh, it's like, I'm aware of MASH. I'm sure I've seen reruns as a kid, but it was like, what was your favorite episode? It's like, oh, the one with the army. Like, <laughs> notably, Hawkeye, who Jeff is emulating, was played by Alan Alda, Link to 30 Rock. Because Alan Alda played Milton Green, uh, Jack Donaghy's biological father, and mm. it, I've uh, I've just been kind of rewatching old Thirty Rock, and I just got to the end of season three uh, the other day, and I was like, season three ends with uh, them looking for the kidneys for Milton Green, mm-hmm. and then I just realized, like I've been doing a podcast about season four, and I was like, they haven't talked about Milton Green at all. It's like he's not been brought up once. Did he die? Did he get his kidney? What happened? <laughs> and then I figured out why I never realized it. Because the last time I rewatched 30 Rock, it was before I bought the DVD set. And so I was watching them on streaming. And Milton Green shows up again in one of the episodes that ended up getting removed. And that's when you realize, and they reveal that Milton uh, got his kidney from Elvis Costello. <laughs> oh. But, uh, Fun, fun fact, talking about things that don't fly today and then things that'll fly again. Uh, if you are Canadian and have Crave, which is, I believe, the only place you can stream 30 Rock now in Canada, uh, they've re-added the banned episodes. 
what was the band episode called? Uh, so two in particular, there was a uh, believe in the stars from season three. And this one that he appeared in was called uh, it's the Christmas episode. Um, okay. Chris- Christmas attack zone. Um, oh, Jane Krakowski does blackface. <laughs> it's so, right. It's, it's uh... Not the two, uh, two black swans. Yeah. This is yeah. the two black swan. episode. So yeah. if you're ever wondering if you're, binging along these days that you don't have access to those episodes that's what happened to alan alda's milton green that milton green isn't much like hawkeye <laughs> uh that's and that i mean i guess from what i know about mash that's a little bit what mash he was uh he was he, he loved cracking wise those those are the episodes i kind of remember i that's that's about it but i find this weird thing about abed's sense of pop culture references is like Abed is our age. Like he, he was starting community. Uh, I believe he's a first year uh, along with Annie and Troy. I don't think they ever explicitly say it, but mm. he's maybe a, at most a year older than the two of them. Uh, Cause there's not an issue uh, on Troy's 21st birthday. Like Abed's right. already 21, um, but he's like that age. So like he's born late eighties. Like how does he know that much about mash? How does he know that much about, uh, who's the boss? <laughs> like it's just, yeah, enough to uh, teach a class on it <laughs> and definitively answer yeah. who is the boss. Who's it's the boss? so I think there's a little bit of like obviously writers projecting their own pop culture love uh, into the characters, even though it makes absolutely no sense mm-hmm. for their age. Like uh, maybe Abed is. Uh, ageless like jack or um like, like kenneth he's an, <laughs> he's an angel's an, an angel i don't know i think they kind of allude to something like that what is happening to me <laughs> yeah. exactly yeah i don't i don't know as a as a huge as someone who identifies with all that there's a huge pop culture nerd i don't i still i can't mad and that's it's too far away I got to do so much research with this that I show to make any sense out of that. Like, anyway, another crossover between the series. It'll become a little bit more relevant as we talk about Parks. But uh, one of the one of the guys working on the newspaper is played by DC Pearson, um, and he worked with Donald Glover on. Um, they used to have an internet sketch comedy troupe called Derek Comedy. Huh. Um, he was big so, on YouTube. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like I when. When Community started, I knew Donald Glover. I was like, oh, that's the guy from Dare Comedy. And then mm-hmm. this episode was interesting because DC Pearson shows up. And then the third member of the trio, uh, he guest starred on Parks and Recreation on this episode as well. So, oh, wow. um, And then he, uh, the third guy, uh, Dominic Dier- Dierks, I think that's how you say his name. Um, he ended up playing a student on Greendale too. So uh, DC and, and Dominic, they both um, kind of got bit parts, but uh <laughs> Talking talk about stuff that wouldn't fly today. I went back and rewatched some Derek comedy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. The stuff that was on YouTube. College Humor, specifically, uh, in 2009. The website College Humor. Yep. Every every single clip I watched, I was like, oh, my God, these are horrifying. <laughs> Hilarious, but horrifying. Yeah. Um, not a whole lot going on with, uh, with Troy this episode, but at least some of his, uh, his old buddies there to help him out although he did have he does have a lot of great one-liners yo i need my genitals <laughs> <laughs> and I think, um 
uh, another good line he has when talking about Buddy, he says his uh, girth to hip movement ratio is mesmerizing. <laughs> some of the other notes I had, uh, and this is where I think, I don't know if some of it got cut for time, but like I feel like Annie's story doesn't really have a resolution. She just, uh, she, she want you know, she wants to brat out the dean, get her transfer, get to a better school. But then just because she sees Jeff getting upset, she's just like, well, mm-hmm. I didn't want to upset the cool guy. And that's kind of, I guess, the, the leap that helps Jeff realize they're the cool group and should help Buddy bring in. But mm-hmm. it's, it's like it's missing something. Like, it's just, I don't know. I don't think Annie does the right thing. <laughs> not, not necessarily that she should have ran the story, but her reason for not doing it just seems like, tacked on at the end in like 20 seconds like mm-hmm. the story was going somewhere and then it's just gone yeah a, a lot of the episodes seems revolved around buddy and just that coming to a completion and yeah. like you said you know that you know that storyline with the editing it just doesn't seem complete i think i think like it was this being the first episodes back after christmas break i think it was you know it's like jack black on an all-new community tonight for the love of God, watch this show. And mm. then I think a little bit, yeah, it's like, all right, we're going to throw more Jack Black in there. And it's like, we got to put the asses in the seats. Let's, let's yeah. do it. Um, but I mean, at the same time, it's, it does work. Uh, I think what he, what he brought in, um, I do love it. And, and I think also the show was also becoming much more, I think this is where you start seeing the meta awareness, like Jeff just being super aware. Like last semester I was uptight. I'm an all new character now. Like that just case that self-actualization of the characters is just starting to come in the show. We've seen a bit with Abed, but now we're seeing it there. And then so I think as as much as you know, they're using Jack Black and they're using his girth to hip flexibility ratio. <laughs> I, you know, I at the same time, I think there was um I don't know, it's they still we're still becoming community and still gelling into the show. So I guess you win some, you lose some. Mm-hmm. One thing also that I is, um, you know, just talking about kind of the run of the show and where all the plot lines were going. Um, there's no romantic subplots on this show on this up, like the, the between Jeff and Britta, which really drove the first half of this series. Uh, Annie's unrequited love for Troy. And then uh, a little bit of what's going on between Annie and Jeff as well. Like none of that in this episode. Uh, they do bring it back in the next episode. Um, and then, but the other three episodes airing tonight, Parks and Rec and both 30 Rock, also about romantic subplots. So it's just really stuck out in this one that they skipped it. Yeah, community doesn't necessarily do um, romance super well. And I'm glad they didn't, I'm glad they don't try to do more of it. Hmm. So I'm happy with the level that they do currently. You know, it was obviously huge driver on the office. Um, it became a thing on on parks. Thirty Rock, thankfully, they, they always kept Liz and Jack apart. But it was more them looking for their love in their own places. Um, but yeah, community. It's weird because like that's that's the the initial hook of it is is Jeff trying to get with Britta. And then I think they even just call it out later on. It was just like, hey, remember the study group is all about you trying to get laid. Like, <laughs> is that from this episode? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's a different anyway. So um, rather than doing this at the end of the episode, like I used to, I'm going to just kind of throw it in here with all the episodes. Cause I like to see just how the episodes were 
perceived at the time. Um, so I use the AV Club and IGN just because they seem to have consistent ratings and they also give an actual uh, quantitative grade. AV Club, uh, Emily Vanderwerf gave it an A minus, calling it a fun episode. Uh, again, the bringing up the meta-ness of sitcom structure and then just bringing on Jack Black as a, to help a struggling sitcom. And uh, she, she alludes to when uh, Britney Spears guest starred on uh, How I Met Your Mother which was a huge thing in 2008, um, which really did help bring How I Met Your Brother into the mainstream. It was kind of struggling along too. And by this point, you know, now we're two years beyond that. Um, that was a huge thing that I completely forgotten about was Britney Spears on How I Met Your Mother. And so uh, the reviewer wondered if the same would happen for Community and kind of prophetic. I mean, I probably never got as big as How I Met Your Mother did, but uh, it certainly did help. I blacked How I Met Your Mother out from my memory. <laughs> due to the ending yeah it's not a big fan me. of the ending huh it's dead to me i disagree oh. <laughs> oh oh you know what we didn't talk about earlier and i'll do this to to, to uh <laughs> spare some heat but uh uh you left something else we didn't bring it up but uh rest in peace to the voice of old ted bob saget mm. Yeah. We actually lost uh, quite a few uh, mm-hmm. pretty important people yeah, culturally. Betty White, Betty White yeah. Yeah. Bob um, Saget, and Meatloaf. Meatloaf, yep. Yeah. The Rule of Threes, which I think comes up in it was back- Rock at some point. Yeah, so specifically, uh, it, was, it was Stone Mountain, um, the Halloween episode from season four, so... Uh, it's two random people die, and then Tracy starts freaking out that he's going to be the third. So yeah. he calls up Betty White to try to scare her to death. <laughs> that's where she delivers the immortal, like, I will be at your funeral. For it, it, it seemed like for a while that Tracy Morgan would probably die before Betty yeah. White. But, uh, um, and Louis Anderson died too. And Louis oh. Anderson. Yeah. I binged Search Party last month. Um, uh, he appeared in season three as a as a lawyer. I've been watching a lot of uh, Always Sunny reruns on mm-hmm. um, on FX, and they make you watch commercials for other FX shows. And so I've seen a commercial for Baskets mm-hmm. a thousand times. And Louis Anderson played Zach Galifianakis' mother on that yep. show. I don't know, but wow. just just him talking about paying for clown college in euros over and over and over again. I've seen that a bazillion <laughs> times. Yeah, um, but no, we'll do a proper tribute to Betty White in uh, in a little bit because um, obviously she she was on Thirty Rock on Stone Mountain. She was uh, she'll join Community's cast for a few episodes, season two as uh, their anthropology professor, and uh, it was a it was actually one of the bigger stories um, in May of 2010 was uh, when she hosted Saturday Night Live. So. That whole thing was kind of starting at this time. It started as a Facebook, a, a Facebook petition. Try let's get Betty White to host Saturday Night Live. So uh, when that comes up in May, when we get to those episodes, we'll definitely we'll cover that in a lot more detail. All right. So now that we're uh, done disagreeing about how I met your mother, uh, <laughs> IGN ranked this episode of Community as an eight point five. Really interesting take. Having characters just wanting to get a passing grades in college leads to a lack of urgency in plot structure, which is the appeal of community. I don't know if this guy gets the show at mm. all. But 
At the same time, I think having an apathetic Jeff doesn't work as well because uh, there's no really other major character to kind of snap back. So, you know, it was kind of a fun little foray into, you know, let's make Jeff a little less uptight. And then kind of from now on, we can now say like, no, this is why Jeff needs to be uptight because it's how the stories work from going on. So um, again, this reviewer didn't know at the time, but I think that's where they were going. Um, and finally, I never used to bring these up before, but uh, I looked up on IMDB. This is a 7.9 rating. So <laughs> as a, now that would be influenced over ratings, people rating it ever since it aired. Uh, this puts it pretty far down, actually. A list is a, a list of uh, of community, um, and uh, it's pretty much the start of like a season one dip that was going on ratings. But I mean, overall, general thoughts on the episode. How would you rank it as an episode of Community? I I think like a seven. Yeah, there was. I think I think my favorite aspect of it was was the Dean stuff. <laughs> I just love the Dean. Yeah, yeah. The episode seemed pretty average, just because there are so many storylines going on, and I just feel that the other two didn't get enough time, or they weren't written out, or like you said earlier, maybe things were cut out. Yeah. You know, so yeah, it was average at best. But I one really really small like sub subplot is um, Pierce's a. Uh, t-shirts he started wearing ironic t-shirts mm-hmm. so he walks in wearing a world's greatest grandpa and doesn't get that like that's not that ironic for him because he's an old man anyway because i was trying to think like all the characters kind of had their thing but like shirley didn't really have that much going on in the episode he grew but... up in a land without sun <laughs> friend gary Just defending yeah. gary yeah there's a lot of I mean, they still didn't really know understand what's going on with Charlie. I did not get like Pierce wearing ironic shirts now that I think like, oh yeah, it's not ironic because he could be. I never, I never. Yeah, and he wears one that says like man candy or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. Pierce, uh, Pierce, not realizing he is the old man. (laughs) Yeah, I'd say you know I'm 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 around that point. I was thinking maybe maybe three meow meow beans, maybe three and a half. It's (laughs) it's uh it's it's getting there it's got it's got a lot of great points but yeah just um i wouldn't i wouldn't call it a home run for sure so mm-hmm. but still yeah. i didn't mind watching it <laughs> several times <laughs> i don't mind watching any of these shows several times so i know it's hard, hard to tell yeah but yeah probably i think jack black kind of saves it but at the same time also there's a little too much jack black <laughs> mm-hmm. it's, it's, yeah all right that's Head over to Pawnee and get ready for some loud music. That one isn't as loud, apparently. Uh, So now we have Parks and Recreation, The Setup. This is directed by Troy Miller, his third of seven episodes directed. Uh, First time he's been back since Tom's divorce. Uh, It was written by Katie Dipold. Uh, this is her second of seven episodes she wrote. Um, this is the first in the time frame of this podcast. Uh, she was apparently on screen back in the camel as woman in line, um, whatever that means. But uh, she does get a few appearances later on in the show as Mindy, uh, who uh, she's usually applying for jobs or doing things around the, um, the animal services. So she applies for a job and she also abandons animals 
when they're trying to. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. When when they're trying to give the animals away, and uh, the long running joke about Chris Traeger going to see Doctor Richard Nygaard. She is also uh, a patient of Doctor Richard Nygaard, so hmm. uh, she does show up on screen uh, later on. But yeah, so um, six or seven episodes does not appear in this one. So um, it had a. Nielsen rating of 2.9 and a five share, which meant again, 5% of people were watching. Uh, and that worked out to about 4.6 million viewers at the time it aired. Uh, and this time we're going to Gus to give us a plot summary. All right. So uh, Leslie's bummed out about Dave moving to San Diego and wants Anne to set her up with someone. Leslie hopes for Justin, Anne's lawyer friend, who they brought in to help with some legal issues with Lot 48's original owners. Instead, Anne sets up Leslie up on a date with MRI technician, Chris, who turns out to be a weirdo who forces Leslie into an MRI scan. Marcus left wondering why Anne wouldn't set up Leslie up with Justin, and Anne reveals that she's got Justin on hold as a potential future boyfriend. After Brendanowitz asks Andy, of all people, for advice, Andy confronts Anne, and Anne realizes the error of her ways. She sets up Leslie with Justin and apologizes to Mark. Meanwhile, Ron decides to hire an assistant to deal with annoying Pawneeant. Tom, realizing, realizing he can use the assistant for his own means, takes over the hiring process, and the best he can turn up is John Ralphio. April has been wanting to leave, but after hanging out with Andy at the shoeshine stand, she decides that she wants to stay around City Hall and Andy, so she asks Ron for the job, and Ron happily accepts. Um, the origin story of John Ralphio. John Ralphio. Which, one scene, and like, he's not John Ralphio in this episode. Like, it's just, he's such a, it's funny how much uh, Ron hates him. I want to punch you in the face so bad right now. <laughs> okay. Message received. I'll keep looking. Thank you. Bring me the opposite of him. <laughs> he's not he's, even full John Ralphio yet. No, nah, he's a no, team he, version of him. Yeah, he's like John Ralphio light. Yep. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it, he doesn't say that, you know, this is my friend John Ralphio at any point. I think it's just like, I think he met John Ralphio um, through all these people that he was interviewing for the job. I don't know. Or I he knows figure. him from the snake hole, the snake hole lounge. I thought he mentions that they are good friends or he knows them for a while, which is why he recommended him and even forces Ron to say, oh, he tells Ron, oh, I think the search is over, basically, Mm. you know. All right. So here's a question. Do you there's two versions of this episode out here. And this is why talking about Jeff Zucker's supersized episodes earlier um, is relevant. Do either of you know which episode do you watch? What, did you watch a like a 27 minute long episode or a 22 minute long episode? Oh, okay. So I watched it on both. Mm. I think the first time I watched it was on Prime Video, like mm-hmm. the first time I watched it recently. Mm-hmm. And then just today I rewatched it on Netflix because it is on both. Yeah, I watched it on Peacock and I think it was 27 minutes, but it felt long. Yeah. So I would guess Peacock has a 27 minute. Netflix Canada has the 27 minute long version. Amazon has a 22 minute long version. Uh, I have it on DVD and they have both as an original cut and a producer's extended cut is what they call it. Um, So I dug deep, way too much research, trying to figure out 
did they actually air a supersized episode that night? Because I thought maybe with no office and two 30 rocks back to back, I'm like, maybe they gave Parks and Recreation an extra 10 minutes. You know, Community had Jack Black, maybe it was something. But as far I like I read comments in the reviews, I looked at the dates trying to figure it out. And I'm pretty sure they only aired the shorter version. So maybe, and the last time I rewatched it, I watched, I only, I, I don't know. I watched both versions of it. I don't know when they aired this extra long version. It did not air the mm. night. And the mm. main difference uh, that I can tell is in the shorter version. So Gus, you wouldn't have seen this. When Mark and Anne are originally fighting, when it finally comes out that Anne is holding on to Justin, Brandon <laughs> storms out and he says, oh, yeah. And the dog dies at the end of the movie. <laughs> and then so it's a callback later on when he's like, maybe we can watch District 9 and I can spoil that for you. Or you can spoil that for me is what Anne says. Oh. And, and then he whispers into her ear the ending. But they don't put the Marley and me joke in the extended cut. So, like, that scene just makes no sense. Yeah, I was wondering, like, like, yeah, in retrospect, I was like, why would he? Yeah. Okay. See what I'm missing now. So it's like you extended it. Why wouldn't you leave that? (laughs) It's one of the better jokes of the episode. Yeah. Um, Quite honestly, there's there's really not a whole lot of differences I've heard about on, on Peacock with the office and like these super fan cuts where they're like adding in a whole bunch of deleted scenes and, and really fleshing out episodes. But uh, they're really, the plot is like identical between the two. It's just, there's some extra jokes. Uh, there's a lot more. Um, we haven't mentioned them yet, but we'll get into them. There's a lot more Will Arnett in the extended cut. Again, just kind of let him go on longer. Um, a bit more with Justin as well. There's no there's no extra plot lines or anything like that. So but maybe that's maybe there's a little detail about John Ralphio and him them knowing each other from the Stone Cold Lounge that uh, they got lost in the shorter cut. Will Arnett as Chris, which is also the amount of times I wrote down Chris, and that becomes a completely different person later on. Chris <laughs> Traeger. But uh, yeah, he plays Chris. Uh, so we've seen Will Arnett before. On 30 Rock, he plays the recurring villain, Devin Banks. Um, He'll also cameo uh, next season on The Office and Search Committee. Coming from Arrested Development, I mean, he's kind of like sitcom royalty. Yeah, he's so good in that uh, Arrested Development. He's incredible. Mm -hmm. Uh, Obviously, married to Amy Poehler, or was married to Amy Poehler the real time. They got divorced, I think, Mm. separated in 2012, divorced in 2014. Possibly repaying the favor since she played wife of Job on, on Arrested <laughs> yeah. Development. Uh, a series of escalating dares, I think, is way <laughs> something that I use to describe <laughs> many situations that have happened to me in life. Um, yeah, uh, I think it's I think it's hilarious that the two of them play opposite of each other and just hate each other so much. And there's like there's no chemistry whatsoever. He's so weird. And uh, I had I had seen something uh, a while ago talking about all of Michael Scott's girlfriends on The Office. And out of all of them, uh, the one that never really seemed to have any interest in him at all was uh, Carol, his real estate agent, his actual real life (laughs) wife. So like him and Jan had chemistry. Um, We saw him and Holly, him and Holly, Pam's mom. Uh, We'll see. Donna later on this Donna, I think's her name. 
Is that her name? Is that the girl that he dates at the end of season six? Yeah, yeah I hot, think so. Donna. He's called her Hot Donna. Hot Donna, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, Carol just like, do you even like him at all? And I think and what it got attributed to was like, oh no, that's his real life wife. Like Steve Carell's charm is not working on her at all. Like she's she's used to it. So like just could shut it down completely. So like <laughs> as much as those other actresses are supposed to like, you know, okay, you're not... It's Michael Scott. He's supposed to be gross. They're still naturally charmed by Steve Carell and it just bleeds out. So I think having uh, spouses play people who hate each other, uh, like, you know, Ron's, Ron and Tammy Swanson <laughs> <laughs> could just play off each other just so well and just so hateful. Yeah, they they go on this blind date with zero chemistry at all. And uh, again, Gus, I'm going to pick on your, your real life, but like, do you ever... <laughs> You ever try to like impress people by telling them that you look inside of things? It was funny watching the episode. I was like, oh my God, dude, like that is so cringe, you know, to talk <laughs> about myself in that way. Because <laughs> I don't think what I do is that great, you know, but this guy talks that up like he's a doctor. <laughs> All right, man, take it easy. But no, I would never use that as a tactic to pick up on women. Okay, I'm an x ray tech. What's inside of this you break bread? your arm? You can answer that. Here, I'll turn it off. One time I was on my bike and some boys were making fun of me, so I chased them and I lost control. I'm surprised you can see that. It was like three years ago. That's a There's bit a like... scene when they're having their date and he kind of just whispers like under his breath, strike two, just out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I'm like, Damn, I gotta use that in real life. Yeah, yeah. Instead of nowhere, strike two. What was strike two? Oh, because it's she, she didn't run amusement parks. She just oh, runs regular. Yeah. <laughs> oh, like Will Arnett, just he's so good. So good. It just it's funny. Like now that I'm just listening to them as drops, it's uh, I could just hear his BoJack Horseman. Sometimes smiling as red as AIDS. Oh. You're not on your period, are you? No. Does that matter? Well, not for this. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, And then he also says to her, you've got a great oven, ample room in there. You could go triplets right off the bat. And I mean, not to spoil like the very last season of Parks, but that oh, is exactly yeah. what happens to Leslie. Yes, yeah. triplets. And I want to yeah, wow. know if they... Like, like that was a callback, maybe. Yeah, or if like they were like, "Oh, Leslie's gonna get pregnant." Oh, remember when Chris mm. said this to her? Like, let's do that. Yeah. Or if they'd always planned on that, on Leslie having triplets, and they had this just kind of as a little foreshadowing. Right, because I mean, at this point, we haven't even met who she ben, ends up with, yeah, right? Yeah, so, exactly. like, it's a, uh, it's hard to really tell what they were doing with Leslie mm. at this point, like. um you know they bring in, they bring in Justin, played by uh, Justin Theroux. Um, and again, not to not to spoil the rest of the season, but <laughs> the first time I rewatched Parks and Recreation after having watched it the first time, I was like, Justin Theroux was on this show. <laughs> like, it is. He like, kind of slips a, under the radar a lot. Yeah, he has a pretty significant arc here, and he's he's uh he's kind of forgotten as being on the show. Nothing I've ever really seen him in seems that memorable. Like. Than being Jennifer Anderson's, I don't. Did they get married or were they just? 
think they were just dating. fucking dating, I think. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but uh I mean, other than his uh uh you know co-starring with Owen Wilson uh in Zoolander. <laughs> That's what I was gonna say I knew him from. He's the DJ. <laughs> the evil DJ. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That is always what I think of him as. But yeah, so Justin, he's uh he's an okay enough character. I mean, he doesn't they don't give him a whole lot to do in this episode, but I do I do love his uh what he what he usually studies. It is an aerosol can with an igniter and a trigger. It's essentially a blowtorch. And if you can believe it, it was invented to warm up baby bottles. <laughs> he's he's a he's an okay character. I think that's kind of what Parks was kind of dealing with in this season, was just some of these okay characters, you know, poor poor Brandanowitz. Uh, I mean, he's universally hated, it seems like, by fans of the show. I don't mind him. I, I you know, he's kind of a dick in first season, but uh, watching these episodes in season two, like, um, he's he's not wrong. Like, he's he's pretty, I think he's pretty justified here getting upset with Anne. Oh, for um, sure. And, then, um, and, you know, he's got Andy constantly pestering him. <laughs> all the time and how he hasn't snapped yet i think is admirable um i don't know he's he's made up to be like a dick but a lot of times i don't feel like he's really he's kind of the most like normal human character like everyone else has all these like zany quirky Mm. like attributes about them but he's kind of just like a regular guy yeah he's a regular dude yeah 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 like Jerry and Donna are still pretty mm. normal at this point. Um, they kind of they've started teasing Donna a little bit with uh, uh, going back to Sister City with her in the Venezuelans and yes. a bit of bit, bits there. But they're still I mean, and Donna never really becomes too zany, maybe mm. until later, later on. She's got that Ben's <laughs> um, treat yourself, <laughs> treat yourself, treat yourself. <laughs> I, gotta, I gotta get better versions of that um yeah so i mean but uh, ron tom they're all comic book characters um and as i mentioned earlier uh so co-star of uh donald glover in Derek comedy uh dominic dierks uh is one of the uh applicants that tom um is trying to hire so he's they're having a back and forth and then Tom says he's going to have to pay for the experience. He's like, I'm going to pay you. And then uh, Tom makes a, a reference to Rod Blagojevich, who I was going to Google because I'm like, that name sounds familiar, but I cannot remember what that guy did. I know he was a piece of shit, but I can't remember why. Yeah, I have no idea who that is. Deep, deep cuts. Very, it was a very, uh, I mean, I suppose it's probably a lot more topical of the time. I feel a lot of the time when like Jack's making references to stuff, I'm like, I have no idea who this guy's talking about. Mm. So I had one note too. I have trouble calling him Chris because Chris Traeger is someone different, but Chris, the MRI technician putting out the candle with his fingers and then burning. <laughs> I was like, that's a very Job. Yeah. <laughs> and yep. then he sticks his fingers in her water. <laughs> yep. She pushes it towards him. Oh, no, I'm okay. <laughs> Which that the rest of that joke is only in the extended cut. Oh, minor difference of the whole. Yeah. No, it, no, I got, my, I got my own. It's okay. It really <laughs> hits. I like that joke. Um, talking about Wordlock, Net, I wanted to. I don't know if you guys have seen. He's gonna have a Netflix show. 
think it's at 10 episodes where he's a detective and the way they scripted the show is that they have a script they have lines for everybody except for the guest host every episode will have a new guest host and they just tell them hey this is what's gonna happen but you don't have a script just play off of will arnett (laughs) (laughs) oh that's gonna be good is it it's gonna be funny yeah it's gonna be a comedy yep oh amazing yeah, they have a really good guest host on there. But yeah, every episode, new guest host and just a lot of uh, improvising on their part. I liked Bojack. And then he was in another one, I think, called Flaked. But Will Arnett needs to begin comedy. Yeah, I didn't. Uh... Bojack, it's dark. We need so, him to be funny. Some of those rudders on Bojack, man. Like what they can go off with. Oh, it's uh, It has its moment. But yeah, it's also like. You got to be at a good place before you start watching Bojack because you're not going to be when you're done. Um, yeah, I never I never did make it through, through Flaked. Um, mm-hmm. It was a little I watched the first couple episodes and I just couldn't get into it. Um, he's got a Arnett, Jason Bateman and Sean Hayes have a, a pretty good podcast called Smartless. I've been listening to that one, too. Mm-hmm. Um, just just to hear his voice. And they're the three of them are a pretty good trio, too. Like, mm-hmm. it's uh, yeah, it's pretty good interviews. Sean Hayes, who will? He's on Parks and Recreation, right? He has a cameo. Season, he's a, yeah, when Leslie's running. Oh, yeah, her campaign. He's a um, reporter. Yeah. Reporter. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, at the little small airport. And yes. Yes. yes, Mm -hmm. So he's so smug. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Overall, uh, for this episode, uh, again, kind of going to just kind of the over arc kind of of the series at this point like um you know there's some talking about how community didn't have any love lines at all this one's all about people looking up (laughs) um you know there's some really good baby steps going on here with the april's crush on andy uh even though andy's still pining over land over (laughs) Anne. um one thing they do kind of skip over here which had been playing in a lot was was wendy haverford or i can't remember her maiden name at this point but uh, Tom and Ron are kind of working together with like no mention of Wendy at all, which mm-hmm. kind of seems a little bit weird because that was a big thing kind of in the last few episodes and then will become a big thing again in the next episode. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of like, <laughs> I started writing maybe down. Tom, maybe Tom was mad at Ron. So he was trying to make John Ralphio his assistant <laughs> to fuck with him. This is my hell. Maybe. <laughs> yeah it's me i don't i think i think tom was a little self-serving i actually found there's a really this is just me connecting dots that don't exist but tom's behavior trying to get an assistant is uh is very similar to jeff i heard a rumor that riley's liquor is selling to underage students i need an undercover expose find out how much they'll sell you of anything cold and imported so jeff's just <laughs> abusing his power to get people to help him want. And Tom's like, yeah, I'm going to abuse my power and get what I want too. So I don't know. I just found that a neat little parallel in behaviors between <laughs> the two of them. Um, but one thing I, I started tracking is all the, all the tr- love triangles that are on this show. So we have a, an Anne Andy April triangle. We have an Andy and Mark triangle an Anne Mark Leslie triangle because there's still the the history between Mark and Leslie, which they reference at the start of the episode about it. I don't get it. <laughs> but, um, yeah, all she had was a one night stand with Mark, and she 
was hung up on him for six years. So if she doesn't get over Dave, it's going to be like 36 <laughs> years or whatever. Or whatever. Yeah. Uh, Mark, Ann, and Justin is another triangle. Um, although that one kind of gets distinguished. I don't think there's much more with between Ann and Justin at this mm. point. But Ann, Justin, Leslie, and then the Tom, Wendy, Ron. So like we're in season two and then there's just like <laughs> love quadrilaterals. I don't even know what you would call it. There's just everyone's banging everyone. Um, <laughs> it's uh, and th- they don't give Andy a whole, well, at least in the uh, the shorter cut, he doesn't have a whole lot. But uh, but you do know now, so you have to choose. It's either me or Justin. I'm not going to choose. Wait, I'm dating Mark. Are you, though? Yes. Ah, that close. <laughs> oh. Is that in the extended cut? Because I've seen, because I, I I've seen that scene. I'm just wondering if that's part of the extended cut. Uh, I think it's it's maybe it's in both. I can't remember. I think it kind of happens out of sequence. How they do it later? Like in uh, I think in the regular cut, it jumps directly from Mark. Like, don't tell Anne that I talked to you, and then it immediately Andy's running to Anne to give her shit. Yeah, Um, you know that's. It's one thing as the season goes on, and I thought I thought they had started resolving it a little bit, and maybe this is just a bit of a tease towards it. But they are kind of moving away from Andy's infatuation with Anne, and now it's just it's softening a lot more, um, which obviously builds to a crescendo, kind of at the end of season two. And I started watching some of season three, and I was like, oh yeah, that becomes a whole mm. plot line again. So if you hate Andy still being interested in Anne. We got a lot of episodes still to go here. Um, okay, my other favorite part of this episode is getting to see all of the a little few more of the citizens of Pawnee. Everything they say is just so funny. So, like the episode begins with um, Ron being mad that they're trying to get more people in, you know, um, to talk to members of the government and. Like some of their complaints, one guy says, I need to talk about the amount of snow in the park. And then uh, another woman talks about, um, I made this in your pottery class and it's terrible. Yeah. Uh, and the other guy says, there's a disturbing lack of benches in Ramsey Park. I want to sit more. Like, all their complaints are just so, oh, the citizens of Pawnee are like, one of my favorite characters um yeah the citizens of body which <laughs> they're so good in the eight years i've been at the job i've saved the taxpayers of this city more than 150 grand but now i need the taxpayers money to save me from the taxpayers like the citizens of Pawnee are just like this whole beast of their own <laughs> oh, they're so good right and like that's um so like the writer of this episode katie dipole but like, she just plays one of these random citizens and they they reoccur right like the crazy, like if you look at some of these IMDb credits, like people just show up again and again and again, mm. usually just to scream one nonsense line. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so critical consensus: the AV Club Steve Heisler gave it a B plus, saying that the ensemble was gelling better, and uh, now that they're working together and putting April and Ron together was a great move. Which mm-hmm. I don't think I, I don't think I ever realized that this is like really April and Ron's first meaty story together i don't think they really were a tandem at any point before this so um Mm-mm. and it's just it's such an integral part of the sh- the rest of the series mm-hmm. right so um 
yeah, they're a great pairing, um, a great mentor mentee kind of relationship. And it's just, yeah, it's, it's just, it's the, once they start working together, it just, it, you don't even, they it just, it's just so right. Yeah. And then uh, IGN's Matt Fowler gave it an 8.8 saying that uh, it's, it's, Really good having uh, Will Arnett as Chris in there to be the more insane person because we've mostly seen Leslie being the insane person and people playing off of her. And it's really refreshing to see a switch in Leslie getting to play the straight man in a series of jokes and then uh, and then being able to play off that because, you know, she's usually in situations like, oh, just one rule. I don't want to date a twin because I've been tricked before. <laughs> Leslie, what is happening to you? <laughs> they also call out uh, J- Justin doesn't seem to inspire a lot of comedy, which not really, no. Yeah, because mm. one one great line about the aerosol can, and that's about it. IMDb over the ages has given this an eight point zero. Uh, probably it's like eighty fit, so probably a little bit below average. Pretty consistent with where we're at with season two. If I were to rate the episode, I'd give it probably a little bit less than it. It's probably like a seven. Um, again, I think it's a lot of it works better knowing where or not where community where Parks and Recreation goes to because you right. see, you know, it's like Ron and April working together. Um, you see John Ralphio, but then you kind of reflect on it. You're like, yeah, John Ralphio wasn't really doing much at all. Like he wasn't. To me, I, I think I wrote a note. Like he looks like an entourage douche. <laughs> <laughs> that's remember entourage speaking of bob saget um <laughs> wasn't bad definitely probably not up there with the the best of season two but um probably as as good as season two was compared to the rest of the show uh yeah i would have to agree there yeah same i think there's a lot of bias because like you said we know where the characters go from there um yeah that was a great i think it was a great episode mm-hmm. a little weird that they gave it the supersized treatment because again i can't figure out why i don't know if it was a rerun that aired later there's a new podcast with alan yang who was a writer on the show for the entire run mm-hmm. um he also plays uh the bass player in mouse rat uh so him and uh chris Trager, rob Lowe, forgot his real name for a minute uh, they've been <laughs> doing a rewatch podcast and They've just got to this, so I didn't listen to it, but I'm sure it would answer our questions about maybe the supersized episode aspect or maybe um, the triplet, the triplet thing. I'm sure I will bet money that they talk about it. I hope so. But uh, anyway, it's it's a super great podcast. If you're a fan of Parks and Recreation, uh, you know, also produced by Team Coco. Wrapping it in, wrapping it in with Conan (laughs) O'Brien. Everything is related. Nailed it. (laughs) Okay. All right. (laughs) Let's move it on to 30 Rock. I don't know how loud this music's going to be either. You know how hard it is to try to cover orchestral music when you don't don't have an orchestra at your home? Yeah, I do like that a lot more than my old version of whatever the hell I used to play. But anyways, it's a new year. I got new songs. Here we go. This is our first 30 Rock episode of the night because uh, they didn't air any offices. 
so the first episode of the night is Klaus and Greta, directed by Gail Mancuso, her eighth, and this was her final 30 Rock that she directed, and the first time she's been back directing since Sun Tea. And it was written by Robert Carlock, his 14 of 26 writing credits. Uh, there's not a lot of people wrote a lot of episodes on 30 Rock. Uh, his first writing credit since way back to Into the Crevasse. Um, this actually did quite a bit worse than Office usually did in its time slot. Uh, it got a 5% share, which all these shows did, but it only pulled in 5.1 million viewers which is pretty good for 30 Rock. That's what they were usually doing. Uh, but the office was usually pulling in around 8 million. So with that, uh, Sam, let's have a plot summary. All right. Uh, everyone at TGS is back to work at the start of a new year. Jack blocked out on New Year's Eve and drunk dialed Nancy Donovan, leading him to recruit Kenneth to break into her house and delete the incriminating voicemail. Jack realizes that Nancy's marriage is ending and after initially telling Jack to move on, Kenneth realizes that Nancy's voicemail code spells out Klaus, her old nickname for Jack. Jenna has gotten herself involved with actor James Franco, playing his fake girlfriend to help dispel rumors that he's really in a relationship with a Japanese body pillow. Jenna starts to catch feelings for James and breaks things off so that they can both pursue happiness. Liz drunkenly outed her gay cousin Randy, and he's ran away from home to come be out in New York City. After many failed attempts to keep Randy safe, Liz decided she needs to cut loose, leading to a drunken threesome with Franco and his body pillow. Tracy has gotten Angie pregnant and is going to have a baby girl, leading him to realize all women are someone's daughter. He decides to he decides the first step for him to be to be better to women is to bring a woman into the entourage, leaving us on a to-be-continued cliffhanger. <laughs> I uh, I immediately wrote down Jack Black. <laughs> As you said, Jack Blacked out. I was like, oh yeah, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> Another connection. It, it all ties together. Yeah, because there was unfortunately not a whole lot of, there was no crossovers between the series with this episode, which is fine because we've talked to plenty of those. <laughs> um. I don't even know where to start with this one, but but let's hey, let's talk about Jack's blackout. Uh, yeah. Talking about how he just references, like if you Googled everything Jack ever said, I can't even imagine what you would turn up because he keeps talking about Bob Ballard. I was like, the heck is Bob Ballard? He's the guy that found the Titanic in the eighties. Like the first person to just go to underwater and find oh. the wreckage. What a reference. What? Like why? <laughs> Why? Why did you make that? Who? Who is that reference for? And does Bob Ballard come back when, um, Jack's rival, that's a teenager, she's obsessed with Bob Ballard. Oh, that's when uh, Chloe Grace Moretz played. Yeah. Um, because she's a the cable tunes. Yeah, she's big into like uh, isn't like diving and like water exploring. She wants to be a marine biologist. Does, well, I can't believe that. That sounds familiar. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get we'll, there. We'll get there. Clearly, there's a writer on this show who is obsessed with deep sea exploration. <laughs> yeah, so Bob Ballard. I mean, there's a, the reference later on about him and Bob Ballard switching shirts, but like, I don't. Anyway, 
weird. weird, 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 weird. I don't even like, again, I don't know how they come up with these drops, but uh, so Jack is blacked out from a New Year's Eve. Uh, can't, you know, I've had some house parties, I guess. <laughs> I haven't left any drunken messages in the morning, but I've, I've woken up many a New Year's Day with a bad headache. Uh, it's all subplot. Like, there's so much going on. I, I don't even know if I took enough notes, but just like the steps of him getting to the house, they call back. Oh, what's the social networking site? Uface. Uface, yeah. Which had been super important a few episodes ago. Like, that's just a throwaway joke that Suri makes. Um, and then they end up uh, off to see Nancy Donovan. Na- Don, I can't even, I can't do a Boston <laughs> accent. <laughs> um, but then the whole bit with, <laughs> Kenneth and Jonathan trying to be lithe enough to get through coat hangers. <laughs> and then Kenneth having to unhinge his hips. <laughs> <laughs> and Jack like really um like hating on Jonathan this episode. <laughs> the amount of he just He's hates disgusting. on Jonathan all, all the time. <laughs> the whole bit too where they get in the house and it's like, oh, it's not an answering machine, it's voicemail. It's like, oh yeah, 2009. <laughs> Also, they have a landline, which, yep. um, to be fair, I have a landline only because uh, it's cheaper <laughs> to have a landline and to give your cable and internet bundle. Yeah. Mm. I love when Kenneth is in the house and he keeps like taking like pictures of himself on the webcam. And then he's like, oh, no, I made it the background. And then he's like emailing to address book. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Kenneth isn't uh, isn't too tech savvy. If you type Nancy's secrets into the internet, do you have any idea what comes up? A store that sells wig extensions. <laughs> that is uh, the, the classic 30 Rock twist at the end of a joke. But also the fact that, uh, um, you know, we'll get to it at some point. In real life, GE is in the process of being sold, or sorry, NBC is in the process of being sold by GE. That's going to play it on screen as Jack's future as a GE executive is at stake. But there's always been this joke on the show that uh, NBC is actually part of. So there's GE and then Shineheart Wigs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then, and then uh, NBC under it. And it's something I never realized until I started working on this podcast. And then uh, now I've gone, I've gone through and watched the early episodes and the amount they just keep bringing up Shineheart Wigs over and over again. Like, <laughs> It's just blink and you'll miss it. And that's just yeah. like, and that's, that's the appeal of 30 rock is just like, you could watch the episode so many times and just like, what the hell did they just say? Yeah. Um, I did. And I, I made note of this line. I've lemoned the situation with Nancy. I've got to erase that message. Lemoned. That's not a thing people are saying now. Is it three? <laughs> lemoned. Doing it <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I don't, I, didn't, I guess I didn't catch a drop of it, but uh, obviously, big running joke on community as we go on is that Brita is being used as a verb to Brita something. <laughs> um, and so I just, I was like, oh, did they steal that joke from 30 Rock? They also do that in the office. Well, Andy tries to make it happen by saying that you shrewded it. <laughs> oh my God. All right. Yeah. Doesn't yeah. catch on. Who knows how words are formed? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like when they use lemon when Liz isn't even around. It translates. 
but I was watching a later episode of the, yeah, Lemon does, they don't reference, like, it's not, it's a very dry joke. It's not like Brita where it's like a, uh, a very on the nose joke. Like it's just subtle. Like it's just lemon and it just becomes part <laughs> of the fabric of the show. Yeah. Just like Bob Ballard, apparently <laughs> <laughs> let's uh, move over to the other storyline. Uh, now there's two, there's two different line storylines kind of going on separately, but I think kind of in the context, they play out the same is that Liz with her, with her gay cousin and everything going on with James Franco. Now, as per usual, talk in 2022, people have changed. We've learned new things about them. Uh, James Franco's not her favorite person anymore. <laughs> watching, watching this and him talking about his weird sexual behavior, very hard to watch. But the joke at the time was that everyone thought James Franco was gay. Like, as he was becoming more popular, it was just a suit. It was like, is James Franco actually gay? But the whole joke, obviously, is like, you know. So are you available for a fake romance with a movie star? Does chewing on a sponge trick your brain's hunger center? Yes, yes, a million times yes. So the whole joke is about like beard culture and like bringing on, you know, having a fake girlfriend to hide being gay. And then they kind of so they pair it along with the story about Randy coming out of the closet because they're kind of, you know, we're going to do this batshit crazy story with James Franco <laughs> and a body pillow. But uh all the while kind of addressing the actual rumors about uh, him being gay. So at least thinking about 2010, the joke worked at the time. Franco, why did you have to turn out to be a piece of shit? <laughs> oh, no. And the weird thing, too, is that I didn't even, again, like most of these things, was kind of unaware there were any rumors at all, even though they were there for the longest time. I only kind of picked up on it some point last summer when, like, the story about Seth Rogen not working with James ever again. I was like, wait, what did he do? And then I started reading about it. I was like, oh, Jesus Christ. And then as you're thinking about it, and that's all kind of swirling in your head as you're watching it, uh, then they're doing, they're, they're all watching the Today Show. And then and there's Matt Lauer, also a piece of shit. Yeah. Maybe you know, if they had gone on late night TV, <laughs> no one would have cared. It's weird. The future is weird and I don't like it. Um, sorry, what were you going to say, Gus? I was just going to say that, yeah, Matt Lauer giving those uh, travel tips, you know? <laughs> you go on a plane, take a sandwich. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even I don't even get the bit about shampoo. Is it you pour the shampoo? Is he stealing shampoo from the hotel and pouring it into his own shampoo bottle and sticking it back? Is that what his ruse is? I think I think he means pour like Taking the shampoo from your own shower, putting it into a travel-sized bottle, they and then so that you have, I don't know. It's a weird... Yeah, the way he says it, it's kind of weird. Yeah. I think the point here is that uh, we shouldn't follow any of Mallor's advice. Oh. Yeah, I'll avoid uh, that. Something else, too, I noticed. Um, again, the whole plot line with Randy and everything about him. Uh, it's just... I don't, I, I don't know if I've ever seen him anything else, but he gets some solid lines. Actually, there's a guy here who offered to drive me if I helped him move a couch into a van. Nope, that's a serial killer. Just get a cab. I'll pay for it. <laughs> yeah, great, great character. I don't, I don't think they ever brought him back again. But no, uh, I don't think so. Everything about him. Um, one thing I noticed again, things you kind of forget about being in the future, but um, he makes the joke that uh, he's when he's on 
uh, the Today Show and they're interviewing him that he's going to run off to Massachusetts to get married because gay marriage was not legal in the state of New York in 2010. Crazy. Yeah. Kind of a callback to um, the uh, season two premiere of Parks and Recreation, Pawnee Zoo. That's where Leslie accidentally married uh, two penguin, two male penguins mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she, that episode ends with a joke of her driving to Iowa so they can go get married <laughs> because it wasn't legal in Indiana either. So it was only in 2015. That's crazy. insane. Yeah. So anyway, there's just those little things like that. It's just like, man, this was a long time ago, but also mm-hmm. not that long ago. Um, the... Uh, uh, did I grab it? Oh, yeah. Okay, I do appreciate the irony that I'm the one stuck in the closet now. Is that <laughs> irony? Not really. He's running out the door. Not really. <laughs> I think that is irony, right? That's, that's irony. Yeah. Yeah. I, anyway, uh, things get weird. And then kind of the, the one storyline, too, that probably doesn't get enough attention to this episode is Kind of everything going on with Tracy. Uh, Tracy gets a little weird <laughs> the next couple episodes, but uh, I do talking about um, how community was breaking with, you know, doing weird things with cutaway jokes, you know, doing those flashbacks and, uh, you know, inserting Jack Black into situations he wasn't actually in. Uh, I thought 30 Rock also had an excellent way with the flashbacks because they're going through everyone's New Year's Eve and then. Okay, but I was going to describe it real good. So, so like, he, he's about to tell them about he got Angie pregnant. And they're like, no. And it's like, so you don't even see the cut. Because it's like, you know, that old kind of trope of like, what is everyone actually doing when a cutaway when, happens? Yeah. 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 So, yeah. So, I mean, there's yeah, Tracy's story doesn't have a whole lot of meat on it. It really just kind of carries us into the next episode. Um, but, uh yeah, it leaves us on the to-be-continued cliffhanger. Not sure how often um, or 30 Rock did this, but one thing I noticed, and I think they start doing it a lot more going forward, is um, the other three shows always have a tag, which is a scene that plays out over the credits. So in Community, it was um, as Troy and Abed are trying to get into the cool group of Starburns, and then Pierce comes in. What was Parks and Recreations? They, uh... Oh, uh... <laughs> Uh, Leslie and Justin finally going on a date. I'm back on the horse. And this horse is a lawyer, so I'm looking forward to riding him. (laughs) No, wait. (laughs) So so something 30 Rock really doesn't do is uh, the tag. It always just goes to the credits, and there's never really a scene playing out. But uh, both episodes tonight have one. I've Mm. already watched the next episode, too. It uses a two, and I've watched some few. So I think... They started playing around with the tag concept a bit more, even though um, it's it was pretty much in all those other series from the jump. Like some of the best jokes in the office, some of the best jokes in community come from <laughs> scenes that play out over the credits. It's interesting. I don't know. It's maybe because these other you know community and, and parks now being kind of in this space too on the show. I don't know if it kind of inspired the production on 30 Rock more. Like maybe we should start doing a bit more of that. Something I, anyway, something I've been noticing for a while. I'm like, yeah, there's never any tags on these episodes. And now they started using it. Something else, too, is in you both know 30 Rock much better than I do. Like, egotting becomes a huge thing for Tracy eventually, mm-hmm. right? Like, does he gets it at some point, does he not? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, like, 
it was such a huge deal a few episodes ago and it was why angie agreed to have the baby and all that but like there's no mention of the neck they don't show the necklace they haven't shown it he's not talking about it at all it kind of gets like crammed all together if i'm not mistaken yeah like it it does get resolved but it's like all in one episode Mm -hmm. and i think maybe that's kind of the way maybe with the density of 30 rock is that there's just so much going on all the time that it's like you think of something you're like oh that was like multiple episodes yeah Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and then it's just like everything with milton green i was like no that played out over three episodes and one of them happened years later like yeah yeah it's um it's it's a a dense show it's a dense you blink you miss subplots you miss subplots you miss jokes Finally, over the break, I forgot what floor I worked on. Six, Tracy. Six. I knew it was a character from Blossom, but I couldn't find a Joey Russo button. <laughs> See, now Blossom references would make much more sense for Abed. That is a yeah. show mm-hmm. that aired when he was a child. Also, I had like this. I was, I, mean, I watched these with subtitles and I had this aha moment. I was like, Joey Russo. Joe Russo, director of community and Avengers movies. How have I never picked up on that before? Oh, probably because yeah. I don't, probably because I don't remember Blossom that well. <laughs> Whoa. That's all I remember. <laughs> all right. Uh, but so, I mean, they're not, uh, there's not much with the egotting. I mean, Tracy's daughter obviously is, is a big plot line in this episode. So at least they're carrying along with that. Uh, you know, bringing back Nancy Donovan, who, I mean, I guess. I feel like she's a huge part of this show, but I guess we'll figure out how much she actually appears. Um, she does come back. She has a, at least a few more episodes, but uh, yeah. you know, watching watching Jack continue on with his love woes again. Yeah. Um, I'll say uh, jokes that slide under. Oh, man. In German class, Mr. Kruger always chose her to sort the students. He was eventually arrested by Israeli commandos. What? I missed that one. Yeah, that's what they're talking about. Uh, yeah, Jeremy Glass. It's very similar to the uh, uh, the office joke about <laughs> Dwight's uh, grandparents being Nazis. Oh, kid. Yeah. <laughs> uh, travel visa was protested by the show. <laughs> yeah, it's a dark fucking joke <laughs> for sick. Oh my god. Oh man. So critical consensus. Um, so the AV Club, it's a community's regular reviewer. Um, the I guess the 30 Rock guy was off tonight, but Emily Vanderwerf, she uh, actually doesn't like 30 Rock and she was reveling. It's a pretty fun review to read. She was reveling getting to tear 30 Rock down, but she actually enjoyed the episode. Uh, comparing it to, and something I never clued in before, it's very similar to the episode of The Simpsons with Troy McClure, A Fish Called Selma. <laughs> You know, he always get caught doing weird things at the aquarium. <laughs> oh. Which I feel like in turn is kind of a reference to like some of the stuff Hugh Grant had been up to. Like I, it's just weird mid-90s celebrity sex culture. Just like, oh yeah, celebrities are up to weird shit. But uh IGN also gave us gave it a 9.5. Uh it it basically Everyone just really loved James Franco's performance, which he does. Anytime, well. anytime, like 
a kind of eccentric actor plays themselves in a more eccentric way i'm like 100 there for yeah and this was uh this was before i mean this is before this is the end that came out in like 20 2014 2012 mm-hmm. um like was this around the time of uh 120 days or what was that movie where he's 20 127 hours he there you go, oh, yeah. he probably would have done that in it was after that but before this is the end because he references 127 hours and this is the end he had done he had done pineapple express at this point which was kind of his first mm. foray into comedy mm. so yeah he was he was getting into comedy he was really like you know he's doing a bunch of art school stuff which Okay, that, that's what he got shit for. Um, but yeah, so it was, yeah, in, in the context of at the time, having him come on, um, again, huge star. He had been in, you know, the Spider-Man movies, all that stuff. Like he was much like Jack Black. Not that 30 Rock really needed needed the boost the way that uh, Community did. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is, I guess when you look at it, it's you have Jack Black, Will Arnett, and James Franco, like three pretty big guest stars hmm. on for the night. So hmm. IMDb rating. This one super interesting. Uh, it's got an 8.4. It is the 23rd highest rated 30 Rock hmm. episode. Wow. Uh, probably, I think only the last couple episodes of uh, of season four ranked higher. Uh, compared now, that's again IMDb isn't night of. It's it's uh, everything after. But um, you know, I talked about this when um, mm-hmm. we, we briefly mentioned Dave talking about Parks and Recreation. Um, kind of hard watching those episodes, watching Louis CK. It's kind of hard. It's very hard to watch this episode because it's like, this is James Franco playing James Franco being a sexual deviant. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's hard to reconcile. So like it, it really clouds my judgment of it. But when you look at how they wrote the episode and like using Randy as the gay character to kind of bring reference to that, how everything dovetails back in together at the end, it's, you know, it's kind of that, that writing of, of 30 Rock where they weave the stories in and around each other. They're bouncing off each other. One person motivates someone off to do this and do that. Um, you know, Jenna's everything going on with her kind of uh, forces forces Liz to live out more. Like it's, and it all just happens so quickly. It's really hard kind of picking up on all that stuff, but it's it's a very tightly written episode and there's just, there's so much going on. And I didn't even grab the part about uh, ice cold Jamba Juice diarrhea. <laughs> <laughs> that old runner about they're gonna fight in Jamba Juice, like just classic, classic Jenna. So I don't know. It's despite all that Franco. I mean, it's a pretty good episode, but mm-hmm. it's it's hard to watch. No, what we know now. Um, yeah. What are your guys' thoughts? I probably would rank this one fairly. High, like I would call it an eight. I would say probably for like the James Franco and the Randy and the Ken and the Kenneth being kind of just funny with the with the whole like espionage mission and yeah, I would call it an eight. Yeah, I, I think the episode is well done. I, I'd say a nine or even a ten. I, it's like you said, they really weave everyone's stories into each other, even though everyone's doing their own thing. Uh, except for Tracy Morgan's storyline, I just feel like uh, that's kind of out there. But I know they, you know, they close it in on the next episode. But yeah, I, it's a great episode. Yeah, I wonder if they left a lot of Tracy's story out and just kind of moved it to, you know, knowing there'd be 
more in the next episode. Mm. Right. Um, but I mean, he just he kind of gets his little one-liners here or there. I know mm-hmm. it's a girl is lemon because I yelled Susan B. Anthony at the moment of conception. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Tracy, Tracy, you're a, you're a feminist. And the, <laughs> the joke too about where the baby's name after it was conceived, like uh, he does he doesn't get much, but uh, you know. Moving on from James Franco, like Tracy Jordan, we're all trying to learn to be better people than what we were. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> with that, maybe let's just move into the second of this smashed together two-parter, which really wasn't a two-parter, but they turned it into one. And the episode is... Black Light Attack! <laughs> Black Light Attack! I just... Black Light Attack! <laughs> Black Light Attack. You got to get with the exclamation mark. Uh, so the second uh, airing in the regular time slot, this was directed by Don Scardino, his 25 of 38 directing credits and his fourth this season. Uh, it was written by Steve Kelly. I don't know how you pronounce his last name. Um, this is his only 30 Rock writing credit, but he did have uh, producer credits on um, 30 Rock and The Office. I think that just means you're a staff writer. Typically, when you get a producer credit, uh, he will go on to write three offices later on. He writes uh, the seminar, welcome party, and trivia. Um, he'll also appear on screen uh, in a few weeks on Thirty Rock in uh, Lee versus Lee Marvin versus Derek Jeter as uh, Jerem, the only single guys in line dancing class. <laughs> and uh, he'll also uh, apparently is in the crowd shot in the finale of The Office. Uh, that also has uh, Greg Daniels in it. Um, he's apparently mm-hmm. in there somewhere because he was a writer during the last season of The Office. Mm-hmm. So no other crossovers in this episode. It uh, had a five share, five million viewers, which pretty average for 30 Rock at this time. And this plot summary is going to Gus. All right. At a TGS after party, Jack is enjoying having Danny as a guy to hang out with. And Danny confides that he has a workplace hookup. However, when Jack figures out he's hooking up with Liz and catches her red-handed or glowing handprint on the boob via blacklight attack, Liz, told Jack, Liz tells Jack he has a double standard, leading them to fight for Danny's time. Jenna goes to a Gossip Girl edition, thinking she's reading for the college girl, but instead is reading for her mother. Jenna can't handle growing old, and after pretending to be younger than she is, she makes a deal with Liz that she'll finally reveal her true age if Liz brings out her friend, Tom, who turns out to be Liz's mustache. Tracy has added writer Sue to the entourage to ready himself for having a daughter. This becomes a challenge because Sue turns out to be exactly like a rebellious teenager, and Tracy learns a lesson about caring for daughters. Jack finally lies to Danny, telling him to break it off with Liz because Jack himself is in love with her. Danny, now seeing Tom, easily agrees. Liz realizes that Jack must have interfered, leaving her to tease Jack about being in love with her. It was a good episode. Yeah. I uh, So speaking of end credits, um, I'm positive the scene at the end with Lutz dancing, the whole thing is an outtake, right? Yeah. If you, if you watch it, uh, Jane Krakowski is clearly laughing the entire time. Like she's not <laughs> yep. like, it's how, how you could tell she's so good of an actress because like you just look at her and she's like, that is not Jenna Maroney. That is Jane Kukowski. And she's <laughs> laughing at Lutz and they're all day. And then like everyone, the second it cuts, they're all breaking. So it's clearly just like 
them all dancing along. And I thought it was uh, I thought it was a really good throwback to like shows like uh, Fresh Prince of Bel Air. I think you know, Home Improvement. I'm sure Full House used to do it too. Like uh, back in the '90s, it's, I was on a very famous TV show. Back in the '90s, um, you know, so many sitcoms they used to do like the the outtakes as closing credits. So rather than having an actual scene from the show, it was just like blooper reel of uh, them trying to get through a scene they couldn't get through. That I used to love seeing that. So seeing Lutz dancing <laughs> and then like, they're clearly like none of them are in character at this point. They're all just dancing. I mean, the character, the actor's name is Lutz, which I guess helps too. And it's not what you think. It's something I need to wear to support my breasts. <laughs> oh, I love Lutz. And something else I learned, which I had not realized, but Lutz and Sue are married in real life. Really? Oh, wow. Yeah, they had gotten married in September of 2009 and are still married today. So another married couple who oh. well, been on the show the entire time, but uh, it's probably the first time this season Sue's really gotten much, much of a storyline, mm-hmm. if anything mm-hmm. at all. Um, wow. Yeah, uh, yeah, Sue, I, she really only kind of shows up a bit in season. I mean, she's been on the show. I think she's always just kind of in the background. Yeah. She starts getting some jokes. They may, whatever the reference is, she's Dutch or Jew. I can't remember what her full last name is. Yeah, isn't she like Polish or something? <laughs> something European. Um, she doesn't really have to do a whole lot of heavy lifting here other than just play sassy rebellious daughter even though she's 40 years old <laughs> i never i never asked to be part of the entourage <laughs> not a whole lot for tracy really to do with this episode either other than grow i mean they just it's it's kind of a one note joke they just keep playing over and over again the bit at the end's a little dark <laughs> where she comes back and she thinks she was drugged oh yeah, yeah. oh my god yeah uh, there's, there's a lot of a lot of jokes today that are just like whoo 30 rock doesn't tend to go very dark so when they do it kind of like i don't know it's out of nowhere yeah it, what they do they go super hard with it there's um pa- uh, what's her name paula she plays pete's wife paula oh, paula yeah. pell She's uh she's a writer on the show. I think she was a writer for the whole series. Uh, she also plays uh, Ron Swanson's mother uh, oh. when we get to see the the drink off later on in Parks and Recreation. But uh, oh. there's a there's a joke the two of them had that they were uh, who could get the darkest joke in past the censors. <laughs> I think there's a joke at one point about like heard Pete having sex while she's asleep or something like that. Like they, oh yeah. Like they go, it, yeah. It shows it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> it's like that's. I think that's kind of the uh, one of the ones they <laughs> sneak in there. But then they just, but then they fly right past it because that it's. Uh, I don't know the the end. Just the punchline of this entire storyline. Not for a billion doll hairs. I'm sorry. Did you say doll hairs? Yeah, they're not worth nothing. You could probably sell them to a dog company and get maybe 40 grand for them. <laughs> oh, that is classic Tracy. It's like the dumbest wisdom you could ever have. <laughs> Billion doll hairs. That's Tracy's storyline. And also, uh, again, just the weirdness about, uh, I mean, kind of anytime Kenneth and Tracy get together, 
is always great. Hey, Kenneth, why aren't your teeth glowing in a black light? You'll have to ask the fellow who willed them for me. <laughs> uh, I I don't know if that's a, a old man joke or a or a hillbilly joke, or <laughs> maybe it's a bit mm, of both. Or both. <laughs> yeah, I don't really know how to talk about everything going on with Jack. Very weird behavior from Jack in this episode. First of all, we kind of you skipped completely. Like, there's no man's mention of Nancy Donovan at all, mm. which, and I think it's a little bit about again noticing it, like watching them slowly each week absorbing them all in like every single show does this they definitely leapfrog ideas like it's you'll have a nancy episode and then you won't and then you'll have a nancy episode and then you won't and then you might get like two more um i noticed it i was watching season three and i noticed it with uh uh john ham's guest appearance um as uh, dr drew as as liz's boyfriend and it's like he shows up in an episode then he's gone for an episode and then he's back for an episode. Then he's gone for an episode. Then he's back. And then he was only in like three episodes in that original run. But yeah. I think somehow like it feels like a lot more. And it's like even the episodes he's not in when he shows up again, you're like, oh, yeah, Johnny M is on the show. For whatever yeah. Reason. So, yeah. So it's they've kind of they've gone from talking about Nancy and not showing her to just like ignoring. But I suppose maybe because he's aired on the same night, it's like, all right, well, we had enough Nancy in the first episode. Jack, Jack can just be a, a weirdo creep in this one. Although Liz calls him out on it. Sometimes all the pretty little things down here want to be with the people up here. So uh, Liz giving Jack a taste of his own medicine. <laughs> yep. I love when he finally figures it out that it's Liz. <laughs> he goes, yeah, she's got some weird underwear under there. And he just goes, they're called Spanx. <laughs> uh... She never lets me see her feet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jack knows her so well that he knows who he's describing. <laughs> and like the look of fear coming over his face. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. This is a uh, yeah, much better hockey conversation than uh, <laughs> the guy I saw <laughs> heckling a mascot. A bit, a bit like Jenna trying to heckle Jeter, I guess. I don't know. But, yeah. <laughs> Um, this is my new boyfriend, Jeter. <laughs> <laughs> I do love this is I don't know. I just love this part too. Uh you know, Twofer doesn't get a whole lot of love, but But my biggest problem with Quidditch is if the snitch is 150 points, why does anyone bother with the quaffle? <laughs> Fucking preach, Twofer. Why does anyone <laughs> I love me. when they throw in like a really nerdy joke? Yeah. Like it- uh, Liz does, like, hey, look, I'm Tron. <laughs> Everyone's just like, ugh. There's a, there is a joke at one point, right, where someone jokes to Liz about Harry Potter, and she's like, I'm into Star Wars. Nerds aren't into all the same things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But clearly, someone on the writing staff is a Harry Potter fan. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I like that opening scene between uh, Jack and Liz where he's drinking and he's describing um what is he saying like his conquest of someone do you know and let's ask him how drunk are you <laughs> he goes a lot too very <laughs> yeah which is i mean in, in the context of everything we've been talking about for my god i'm sorry for the last three hours uh you know jack's everything jack's going on about is very like oh yeah no we were just 
cool with that back then apparently i don't know it's a <laughs> and then now i you know what i think um taking this quote out of context i think is is a really good way about how we all feel about it now this is good guy talk <laughs> yeah no this is not how we talk in locker rooms all right this is <laughs> boring behavior um but uh you know liz 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 gets her own she I like I know, when I, Liz gets the guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's gotten some good guys over the years. Yeah. I do uh, in, in the Chips costume, too. <laughs> this is like, again, Chips is right there. With, like, I, I Googled it because I'm weird. Uh, Chips and Mash both ended at the same time. 1983. By the way, complete aside. More people watched the series finale of MASH. I wrote this down. 121 million people, something like that. That is more than total viewers of this entire season of Parks and Recreation. Jeez. Um, I don't know how many people watched Chips when it went off the air. Liz definitely was because she was in love with Larry Wilcox. Who? That's a reference I don't get, but he showed up. Uh, he was a uh, Liz. He was Jack's secret Santa present to her. Mm-hmm. Um, for those of you binge watching this episode and are wondering what happened since my last episode, the Larry Wilcox joke gets a payoff here. And I don't. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the wig uh, Danny's wearing is. He's definitely not wearing an Eric Estrada wig. <laughs> um. So yeah, chips, chips and mash. I think. I mean. Uh, Weird shows with uh, acronyms for names. Apparently, that was popular in the late '80s or late '70s. Um, very much more Liz-appropriate reference, I mm. think, than an Abed reference. I don't know. I like. I love Danny as a character. I can't remember. I mean, he. I guess. Does he stick around for the whole series? I think so. Yeah. Does he really? I. I, yeah. I don't remember seeing them towards the end. Or. I think. I, I think he does get a little bit of the Josh treatment, where they just yeah. stop using him so much. But uh, you know, it's it's nice that they they give uh, Danny something to do because he wasn't in that last episode. He wasn't in Close and Greta at all. Um, he kind of really just shows up every now and then. But uh, I don't. I've never really seen the actor in anything else either. Like he kind of just. I've seen him on a few things. I think he was in a couple seasons of American Horror Story, and then. Hmm. I mean, I know I know him because he's been a guest judge on RuPaul's Drag Race a few times. So okay, oh, <laughs> not familiar, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> Take my word for it; it's very good. Okay, <laughs> yeah, um, that's about it. But I like he seems to be more of a household name than like his. I guess his IMDb page would. Mm. This is yeah, maybe. Maybe one of my blind spots is RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I mean, it's, he's he's super funny. Like, it just his uh, his dumb Canadian shtick just fucking <laughs> slays me every time. Like, oh man, um, but that's that's kind of like uh, you know, Thirty Rocks just has uh, with a lot of the writers too, right? Like with Lutz and Tufer, um, just these characters, Grizz and Dot Com too, like. <laughs> So every time they speak, it's just fucking gold. Like they just yeah. they leave the just the best lines, you know. So Liz, Jack, Jenna, Tracy. I mean, practically everything they say is a, is a punchline, anyways. But they get to do all the heavy lifting. I Kenneth too. But then these characters just kind of get to come in and just uh, 
deliver these lines. Um, when we when we finally meet Tom Selleck, <laughs> oh, God. just the whole the whole seed. Um, uh, Liz being able to grow that good of a mustache in two days puts mine to shame. Um, but <laughs> it's, a, it's a good mustache. It is a. It is a <laughs> and then it just uh, unfortunately, podcast being a uh, audio medium, uh, the, just the the visual joke of like the crumbs in the mustache. And as she's like, I don't know if she's if it's Lutz or Pete, whoever's there, who she's trying to make laugh. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> uh, it's just it's it's just this brilliant like uh, physical comedy that Tina Fey is doing that I don't think she gets to do enough of at Thirty Rock. And it's just yeah. like just the manic look at her eye. It's just like <laughs> I don't know. I I I find it so funny whenever they joke about how Liz is so unappealing with. <laughs> yeah. Like Tina Fey is an objectively attractive woman, right? Yeah. And it's just like they do everything in their power, but in that moment, it's just like, oh god, <laughs> everything they say about her is right. Yeah, yeah, man. And I, I love like I love when, especially a female actress can like when they're like okay with like not looking beautiful in every scene. Mm. Like, and Tina Fey does that so well. Like, there's so many like physical gags and and kind of just like scenes where she's not shown in the best light physically and i just love that and they play it too off of like uh jenna's narcissism and how she's like the complete <laughs> opposite <laughs> it's funny all my aha moments and with a mustache pressed against me <laughs> Look at what is another what what the hell does that mean jenna <laughs> Jenna, Jenna has also been through some shit. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, that whole storyline. Of Jenna going for Gossip Girl is so funny. Mm-hmm. And then at the end when she when well, so first she's um debating if she should decide to age like Meryl Streep or like Madonna. <laughs> and the lead up to her choosing Madonna. It's like everything she's like, I'm worried about which way this is gonna go. <laughs> And then she finally does play the mother on Gossip Girl, and her character dies from old age. Like 41? Yeah. Yeah. If that. (laughs) Oh, amazing. Yeah. I like Jenna's Jenna's commitment to saying that she's younger than she is, because I turned 30 last year, and I will fight to the death to say that I am still 25. I won't go as far as Jenna, but yeah, yeah. In my turned, head, I'm still 25. Yeah, I turned 35 this year, and it's both, both. Well, 35 wasn't as rough as 30, but yeah, 30 is <laughs> a 30 is a, a bad one. As <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, some of my younger friends, as they turned 27, I allude to the 27 club, and it's like, well, at least I got past that point. Um, yeah, but uh, I do, I do bring up. It's like uh, one of the theories. This is a huge tangent, but one of the theories about the 27 club is like, well, 27 is really the age where your body stops regenerating. So it's like, oh god. And and it just maybe it just averages out that way, but it's like um, you know, a lot of these people they got used to doing hard drugs and their bodies mm-hmm. can't recover anymore, and that's why they overdose and and whatnot. But it's like, yeah, 27 onwards is like your body just doesn't want to work anymore. 
Yeah. I, I ran for a little bit too long back in November and it still hurts whenever I pull a boot off of my <laughs> right leg. <laughs> and it's like, I could go to the doctor, but what is he going to say? Like, you're done. Just stop walking, man. Don't run too, anymore. Too, too, too fucking old. It's over. Yeah. I, uh, I'm watching all these episodes out of order. So I've been watching season three of 30 rocks. So it's been throwing me off, but I was watching the, uh, um, yeah, it's, it's the, Speaking of the 27 club, look, I nailed it. But she's playing Jackie Jorp Jop. Janice Joplin. Famous member. I knew that was in my brain for some reason. Uh, member of the 27 club. When, when Jenna's preparing to play that role and uh, she has to go get publicity and they go to the Kids' Choice Awards and they accidentally <laughs> former musketeer Jenna Maroney's dead. <laughs> and then she kiboshes the whole thing because they put her real birth date on her too. <laughs> oh, yeah. Jackie Jorp Jump. <laughs> oh man. Talk about plot. Like, where'd that plot like? <laughs> like that's something I, I remember. Like, man, that was a thing for like years on 30 Rock. Like, no, it was on like seven episodes yeah. in the middle of the third season. Gossip girl. <laughs> that's that's when my wife watched that I completely avoided whatsoever. To the fact she's actually she's really obsessed with you now. Oh, and um good. and I don't know what I at one point it was between episodes. Like she's just she watches it on repeat over and over again. So I've I've seen it completely out of order. And uh, when I found out, it's like oh, Penn Badgley is the star. I was like, see, uh, I looked at her one day. I'm like, was he on Gossip Girl? And she's like, yeah. But I'm like, the only reason I know who Penn Badgley is is because of the movie Horrible Bosses because I've seen it so many times. And uh, I forgot he was in that. He's not. They reference him. Uh, oh. Jennifer Aniston's character. I apologize in advance, but she says, I was watching Gossip Girl last night. I fingered myself so hard to that Penn Badgley had broke a nail. Oh, yeah, I remember that line. I had no idea who Penn Badgley is, but I was just like, <laughs> I've seen horrible bosses. So, and like everything Jennifer Aniston says in that movie, Justin threw, they dated, nailed it, yeah. tied it all together. <laughs> Um, it's uh, Jason Sudeikis is in that movie former yeah. love interest of Liz Lemon it's all coming together um, I didn't I, were any of the other like was anyone else in that in that gossip girl scene that they film like were any of them actual gossip girl stars or was that just like a I don't think so I think I, it was all spoof yeah like like um like the names of the characters like I think one of them one of the characters that they reference is like Wainwright. And that's a very like gossip girl ish name. Like all mm. these like fancy old money, like New York yeah. socialite names. Yeah. So they do a really good job. I only watched like a few seasons of gossip girl, like way, 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 way back in mm. the day, but it's, they do a really good job of, of spoofing it. Yeah. As, yeah, as 30 rock does with anything that they, spoof like yeah it's weird that they actually picked a, a real show um mm. so i don't think which Gossip i don't Girl, think is on nbc i don't think it was either no oh. um but yeah it was they do it well and what else was going on in this episode not a whole lot actually there really uh. isn't a whole lot like it's it's um kind of the the back and forth between um between uh, the tug of war between Jack and Liz over over Danny. Um, mm-hmm. 
It's, you know, I think a lot of this episode is just people not wanting to deal with any problems. Oh, Pete, that's later. Maybe we'll be dead by then. Oh, that'd be great. I'd lie if I said I haven't uh, said that before. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, you know, kind of going back to a bit of the, the criticism on on the episode of Community is like if Jeff's aloof, where does the rest of the episode like how do you how do you create a sense of urgency? And mm-hmm. I think that's a little bit of what's going on here is just like, you know, maybe there's there's just not a whole lot of urgency going on in the storyline. Like Jack just wants, uh, you know, a buddy to talk to at work. The stuff kind of melts together. But yeah, there's not other than that, there's not really a whole lot going on. The kind of the I find the, the Sue bit, again, kind of is a one note joke. Like it never yeah. really, ever really goes anywhere. And, it just doesn't uh, seem like they incorporate Tracy too much in these last two episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, where he's just doing his own thing, where the other three characters, Jack, you know, Lemon, they're all, their stories intertwined. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there doesn't, I don't think it, the episodes are still great besides that Tracy situation. It doesn't water it down, I guess. Yeah. So, critical consensus, uh, probably kind of where we're all seeming to fit. Um, AB Club gave it a B. Uh, it said they don't really know what to do with Danny, um, which it's kind of true. I think they don't really know what to do with any of the writers. Mm-hmm. It's not that kind of show. <laughs> they're making a sketch show every week. It's kind of a, that's that's how it goes. Um, not a lot of humor. Well, okay, this is the 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 uh, the reviewer saying it. Humor is not character based. It's much more in the dialogue. But I think probably like. There's so much going on between Jack and Liz and like just knowing that they are a won't they and that they're never going to get together. And that the fact that Jack to get to try to get his friend back has to confess to loving Liz. Like you could just there. There is something magical about that scene. And just like Jack, just like girded teeth trying to get through (laughs) like all of all of that. (laughs) Um. But again, the uh, the AV club didn't have their regular reviewers. So if someone's uh, pitch hitting, maybe they didn't really understand that so much. Uh, IGN scored it a 7.5, saying it fell flat as a two-parter after Klaus and Greta. And just uh, Sue's not a strong enough character to build an episode around. I say mm. Lutz would be, which is probably true. I mean, Sue, like Lutz is enough of a character, like, Let's get this time to shine with his blimpies every now and then. <laughs> I think any of the writers, like, you know, I'm not a huge fan of Frank. Um, yeah. Twofer isn't really used for much after the kind of first season. Um, but even just kind of having them all as like an ensemble of like weird idiots <laughs> to kind of do something with, like, that works pretty mm-hmm. well. But like, yeah, yeah, throwing Sue off on her own probably didn't help. And then uh, they also mentioned too in this review. Danny's a bit of a weak link to combine the storylines, which I don't know. He's kind of the hot idiot they're both fighting over. <laughs> like, he's the himbo. He's the exactly. Like, it's, yeah. I don't know. It's it's um having him be more normal than the rest of <laughs> everyone kind of works out that Jack would want to be friends with him. Like, um, I don't think we get much more of it after this episode, but uh, him and Jack being friendlier, I think, you know, could have been. Could have been something more, but hmm. um, yeah, it's just it's a very weird like in the in the run of the show. Like so much of the early season is like we need to get a new actor on TGS, 
And like, it's just, it drove so much of the plot. And then they bring on Danny and it was just like, they're not really doing anything with him. They don't do much with him. Although all the, uh, all the robot based pun, like all he does is robot joke. Like I do, yeah. I do enjoy that because he's brought on as a, uh, a robot street performer. And yeah. just, the only thing he does on the show is play robot characters. I kind of do love that they just like reference these sketches and then like you just know like there's weird shit going on on TGS, but you never like imagine watching a show that had three different sketches about robots <laughs> and three actors, <laughs> like only three actors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, there's no supporting cast. There's only uh, that's a that's a weird show. <laughs> Probably still would have been better than the Jay Leno show. Oh, man. All we right. should have done a full episode that was like an episode of TGS. Yeah. I think like how yeah. The Office gave us Threat Level Midnight. Yeah. Or the uh, Parks and Rec's uh, Johnny Karate. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But yeah, it, like it just straight up TGS. Um, yeah, that would be great. Anything else on uh... Black Light Attack? <laughs> I would I just... probably give it yeah, probably like maybe a 6.5 there's some good parts but meh yeah. I thought it was uh, about an 8 I really I really like Dirty Rock and I really like the show um, I, just Jack and Lemon's characters the way they bounce off each other it's it's great, you know the way she like tries to dance. Like, oh, you say you love me, huh? It's so weird. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just awkward the way she does it. Yeah, that is. Yeah, her her uh, again a, a great bit of character humor of like Liz figuring it out and then like <laughs> rubbing it in Jack's face because like she knows how much it pained him and like yeah yeah it's it's definitely one that uh, and, and I think I like a lot of Thirty Rock. Like if you just and I encourage anyone binge watching these shows to like just watch an episode at a time stop and like absorb it and just you know just don't next episode next episode like watching it and like think i don't know i wouldn't recommend watching the same four episodes over and over and over again <laughs> to prepare for a podcast <laughs> is the most normal television viewing experience but re-watching them uh this close in succession you need to pick up on stuff and yeah it, some of it works better um but yeah, i'm a little bit i'm probably between kind of where you guys are like it's it was an all right episode. IMDb put it at a 8.0, which uh, is pretty, yeah, middle of the pack for 30 Rock. So I like the uh, when Liz is walking out of Jack's office with the black light on and he goes, Good God, Lemon, what did he do with your knees? A lady never tells. <laughs> That's a line I say a lot. A lady never tells. Good God, Lemon. <laughs> oh man all right um so so i never i never did write a wrap-up song so i'm just gonna play that song again uh let's wrap up the night um i have basically already sprinkled in kind of all the spots where i've seen the shows crossing over with each other like uh Jeff abusing his editor powers and Tom trying to become using abusing Ron's assistant uh, stuff that kind of came in tonight. But, um, you know, the weird overarching thing I found that 
kind of ties a lot of stuff together. Um, new people really being the theme of the night, whether it's, you know, new hosts of the tonight show, <laughs> buddy being the new guy in the study group, uh, Justin being a new guest star on, on parks and recreation. Um, Tracy trying to add a new entourage member, Danny trying to fit in as the new cast member, two brand new co-hosts for this podcast. It's all new year, new things going on. That's about as best as I could summarize it all. (laughs) It all ties in. Yeah. Yeah. So overall, uh, I've written mine down. I don't know if you have any off the top of your head, but uh, any, what, what was everyone's favorite line overall? of the four series tonight. Mine, Jesus Christ, this broke my brain. I'm sure you guys have a natural rapport and timing, and you know, you're scared that adding a new member might throw everything off of its natural. <laughs> Rhythm. Just, <laughs> I love it. Such a, such a brilliant joke, playing with the format. Um, and uh, I hope I don't get any copyright strikes from Pots over using that song. But anyway, that was that was my favorite of the night. Uh, Gus, did you have a, a favorite joke of the night? Yeah, uh, you know, Liz telling um, the thing about you know aging gracefully. Uh, you know, Madonna Gollum arms. <laughs> you can try to fight getting older. You can be like Madonna and cling to youth with your golem arms, or you can be like Meryl Streep and embrace your age with elegance. This man, Madonna does have golem arms. Also, I don't just thinking about uh, uh, Meryl Streep and uh, Don't Look Up doing a oh nude scene gosh. with a back tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very Madonna move. <laughs> Sam, what the... Oh, I probably have to say the Pawnee citizens' (laughs) complaints. My name is George McFadden. I wanted to talk to you about the amount of snow in the parks. There is a disturbing lack of benches in Ramsey Park. I want to sit more. And another thing I like is the layout of the hiking trails. I made this in one of your pottery classes. It's terrible. This is my hell. Um, favorite scenes. Um, my favorite scene of the night uh, overall, and just kind of personal experience is uh, when Chris has taken Aunt, or Chris has taken Leslie in for her MRI scan, and they're looking at it, and he's like, "It's a smudge," and he starts freaking out. <laughs> and he's like, "You're gonna want to see a doctor about that right away." <laughs> it's like oh just a smudge you're fine you're probably fine uh i just fucking hilarious and also uh a similar story kind of from my own life is that uh i don't know why i'm laughing while saying this but probably about 10 11 years ago now my uh my wife was uh diagnosed with ms and she had to have an mri and we're in the doctor's office and i took uh i took physics in university i took a medical physics class we had looked at brain scans and so we're in the neurologist's office with the MRI and he shows it up. And if you have MS, it's inflammation of your, of your uh, spinal cord fluid, brain fluid, whatever. So the brain just has all these white spots on it. So because I had taken this class, 
I had seen what a healthy brain scan should look like. And I looked at this thing, my wife's braid. I was like, that ain't right. <laughs> and I fainted. <laughs> oh my gosh. No way. So, so anyways, uh, after I come to doctor explains, this is part of the way you diagnose MS and you know, it's, it's a uh, part of our lives now. Things, things are okay. Uh, but um, anyway, but I saw that scheme with the smudge and like, you're going to want, anyway, personal, just <laughs> finding the it, humor in it, I guess. Hit a little close to home. Hit a little close to home. Yeah. I, I tend to faint. <laughs> it's, it's not the first time I've fainted from seeing really anything with my wife in medical procedures either. So. <laughs> Damn. That's me. So that's the thing, thing that happens, huh? Yeah. That's uh, I can, I can never do your job because I would faint every fucking day. <laughs> Uh, anyway, that was my favorite scene of the night. <laughs> a little personal humorous anecdote that probably most people won't find funny. Uh, Sam, any <laughs> favorite scene of the night? Um, okay, two from 30 Rock that kind of fit together. When they first introduced like the arrangement between Jenna and James Franco, and he says, uh, Yeah, we met on the scene of a, a movie that my performance was deemed like too real for American audiences because he's just so like into it. And it's like, that's like true. Like that's not far off from like what James Franco is like. I'm yeah, sure he's 2009 Franco. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and then like the very last scene where uh, him and Liz, you know, start dancing <laughs> in the club and then, they're kind of just like, we doing this? <laughs> we didn't even talk about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Liz had a threesome with James Franco with a Japanese mm-hmm. bodybuilder. Kamiko-tan. <laughs> yeah, the whole scene is pretty funny. Uh, Liz yeah. goes, yes, let's do this. <laughs> no, just, just so we're tracking, like... <laughs> It's not from personal experience. Like find that one. So no, funny. it is not. Okay. No, no threesomes with movie stars and body pillows. All right. No, noted. I know. Not, not, not. I'm only 30. <laughs> That's Gus. <laughs> Favorite scene. Bail me out. Um, <laughs> buddy getting pulled away from the group. And he's yelling. <laughs> it's, it's so long. Yeah, it's long and loud. I'm just like. <laughs> Yeah, that's so good. The uh, <laughs> anyone have a problem with the way I handled that? <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, just like the, the the sound effects too of like smearing on the table. Like, yeah, that's that's what you bring Jack Black in for is the uh, the very loud and physical comedy. Yeah, so you know, kind of a little bit like. Um, it's almost the kind of thing you would have Chevy Chase doing back in the day. Like that's his uh, one of his big bits on Saturday Night Live was uh, he'd play Gerald Ford and he would just like crash into stuff all the time. Like, <laughs> where I think yeah, and, uh, any of the uh, vacation movies, just how he's always like the physical humor he's getting into. Yeah. All right. So how about um, just ranking the four episodes against each other? How how would uh, how would you rank them? You know, I didn't put any thought into this either. I, I would say I would put. Uh, I'd probably say the the setup 
is first, I'd probably put uh, Klaus and Greta second, and then investigative journalism third, and Blacklight Attack fourth. I think that is exactly my ranking, too. Yeah, mine's a little bit different. I'll definitely put Blacklight first, and then the setup, and then journalism third, and Klaus fourth for sure it was a uh, for a double double spot it was uh we'll see i think we, i think we get one more um i know they definitely do so the office gets a double episode in a, in a few more weeks they do uh the delivery um so i think there was no 30 rock that week and then there's another week later on where they preempted parks so there's like a community 30 rock office 30 rock or something like that but hmm. That's uh that is many, many podcasts from now. <laughs> At this rate, it'll be 90 hours of podcasts <laughs> from now. Uh maybe our next episode things will be a bit shorter once we figure <laughs> out how much we need to prep, how much we need to talk about, how much I'm gonna talk about talk shows that went off the air. <laughs> but anyways, uh I don't know. Any any other overall thoughts on tonight? We can just throw it to the end because I've, I've had you here. I've had you here for hours. I'm so <laughs> sorry. Uh, all right. So our next episode will be uh, covering January 21st, 2010. We have Communities Interpretive Dance, Park and Recreation's Leslie's House, The Office's The Banker. That's... Ugh, <laughs> damn it. And... <laughs> 30 rocks winter madness. Um, and also we will get to Conan O'Brien's self-destruction. Um, oh. poor, poor Conan. Oh. Why is she so sad? Um, but that'll be the next episode coming out at some point. We haven't figured out a, a, a schedule yet. I'm thinking monthly is probably how this will go. Um, but, uh, you can, if you want to keep track of when new episodes are coming out, you can follow us on Comedy Night Podcasted Right on Instagram, Comedy Night Pod One on Twitter. Uh, that's the best place to uh, get notices when new episodes are coming out. Uh, you can reach the show at Comedy Night Podcasted Right at gmail.com. No one's ever sent fan email. If you send me something, it will get read because. We're just screaming into the void here. Um, and uh, if if you're on Reddit like the rest of us, I also have a subreddit set up. Reddit.com slash r slash comedy night pod. Right. I put up episodes, discussions that are empty. <laughs> but that's fine. We're doing this for fun. Um, Sam, you got anything? Any socials you want to plug? Uh, you can follow me at Sam underscore Thistle on Instagram. And Gus. So the Instagram is the new is. I think it's a underscore new underscore is. And still working on that podcast with my cousin. Uh, still, you know, it's a slow burn. Still working on it. But yeah. hopefully in a month. Cool, cool, cool. Well, oh, wait. Oh, I have. I have. Why am I saying cool, cool, cool when I can. Cool, 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 cool. <laughs> um i'll put links to all that in the show notes uh so people can find it there and uh yeah we'll uh we'll have a plug for for that podcast when it comes out um 
So this has been Comedy Night Podcast right? created by me, Matt Kale, and hosted by myself, Sam Thistle, and Gus Sanchez. Other than the series theme song, all other music was poorly <laughs> written and performed by me. Um, social media accounts linked to the show are also done by myself. And this podcast was recorded over Zoom and presumably will be edited also by me. Because me, 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 I love to give myself credit for things. Uh, guys, thanks so much for putting up for this for so long. I don't know. I'm going to get this down to my three hours of uploadable limit, but we'll make it work. I'm sure there's 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 stuff that'll work. But uh, anyways, if you're still listening after all this, I don't know how long the finished edit's going to be, but... <laughs> Man, you got you got your podcast for an entire month right here. But we'll be back at some point um, talking about those next episodes. And with that, I should probably get out of here because I got this weird MRI technician who's been waiting in my car for hours for me to drive him home. <laughs> Do you mind if we pick up my son, Nate, at his basketball game on the way back?